What's happening, weirdos? This is the incredible Brendan Scannell. He's just one of the most talented and hilarious comedians I've come across lately, and a wonderful guy. He's an actor and writer as well. He's on the show Heathers. He's going to be in the upcoming show Bonding on Netflix. Definitely check him out online. We talk a lot about his sketch work as well with my friend Sam Fischel. So give that a YouTube if you're curious. To those of who, uh, to those, to those of you who've been coming out to the dates, the tour dates. Thank you for uh, coming out in Brea. It was awesome. I am on the road currently with Lara Bites. It's a double headliner show. She is incredible. The whole show is awesome. But it's me doing a new hour of stand-up as well. And we are going to be in Oxnard, Nashville, St. Louis, Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, and Phoenix. Those are all confirmed. Tickets are at PeteHolmes.com. Hope to see you out on the road. It's great to get a chance to see you weirdos uh, live. So please come out and support if, if you're nasty. Um, I also want to plug... What do I want to plug? My Largo show. February 7th is my next Largo, uh, but that's every month. Always a highlight of my month. Doing stand-up with special guests like Judd Apatow, Sarah Silverman, Zach Galifianakis. These are some of the people that have been popping by lately. Go to Largo-LA.com. Always nice to see you guys at that. Um, A book, Comedy Sex God, is available now. I guess I don't have much to plug. We can do the Pete's Picks. Pete's Picks, as you know, I got them right here on my desk. The original Pete's Pick, I have a special promo. This is not the usual promo for Charlotte's Web. I have a 40% off promo. Holy cow. For Charlotte's Web. If you guys have been waiting to try the hemp oil that I swear by, as you guys know, I don't do ads for things uh, that are just random. I do ads for things that I actually love. And Charlotte's Web hemp oil is absolutely a secret weapon, a plant ally in my arsenal. For me, CBD oil uh, has been a wonderful anxiety reducer and a mood elevator. It helps me relax. It helps me work and focus. It helps me ease and flow into whatever it is I'm doing. It also just really takes the edge off, not in, in, an, in an intoxicant way. It doesn't get you high. It just sort of helps you soften the, uh, the tension that you might be experiencing. And this is just me speaking anecdotally. That is the feeling I get. I used to call it my happy juice when I was on set at Crashing. I would say, please give me my happy juice. That meant my CBD. It was just something that would help me ease and flow and say yes to what it was that I was doing while keeping me in the game. You hear hemp, you think uh, cannabis. It's not the same as cannabis. There's no THC or there's very, 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 very low amounts because they use science to push forward the CBD. CBD is what you're getting. Everybody knows it's a hot product now. But uh, the Stanley Brothers are the only company that I've found that grow their CBD in Denver, in Colorado, for human consumption, for medicinal purposes. So it is a wonderful thing to take instead of a pharmaceutical, and that is why I swear by it. Guess what? 40% off their best-selling 17-milligram oil in any flavor. You can get mint chocolate, which is what I like. They also have lemon twist, orange blossom, or original olive oil. And for up until February 14, 2020, you can get 40% off. CWHemp.com. Keep it crispy. 17, one word, is the promo code. And you can try this wonderful product that I have sworn by for so many years. The other that you also know is Kachava. Kachava, I had it for breakfast this morning. It is a plant-based superfood drink mix made with the most exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods ever, revered by tribal cultures for centuries. It's 100% plant-based. So it got omega-3s from chia. 
and flax seeds. It's got eight super fruits, 17 greens and veggies. That's why I travel with it. Very hard to get uh, fresh greens and veggies in you when you're traveling, but boom, it's in the bag. Gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners, no preservatives, digestive support built in, adaptogens built right in, 24 grams of plant-based protein, nine grams of fiber, and it actually tastes great and it actually keeps you full. It's as close as I've come to a meal and a pill. I've seen a lot of tweets lately at me, people saying, I can't believe it. I've never tried something like this, and it actually keeps you full for hours. So not only is it fast, delicious, and easy, but people use it for weight management. I use it because it makes me high. There's so much nutrition in it, it makes me feel amazing. You've got maca root for energy and vitality. You've got cacao, which again has wonderful mood-elevating qualities to it. Raw cacao, this isn't just like you know, Hershey bar chocolate. This is the real nut. It's a nut, cacao nut. Uh, Get that in you (laughs) and I can make it with one hand. I'm holding baby Lee. I put a scoop in a bottle, shake it up with water, powdered coconut milk, and just enough coconut nectar, which is a low glycemic sweetener to make it chocolatey and smooth and delicious just in water or make it with almond milk and frozen strawberries. Makes it taste like frozen, delicious chocolate, strawberry, ice cream. It is unbelievable. It fills you up. It makes you feel good. If you've been curious about how to eat more plant-based but don't know where to start, I always tell people to start with cachava and keep at it. I've been using it for years now. 20% off. Go to cachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird and you'll get 20% off. All right, guys, if you get one of those, not only will you be trying something that I love, you'll show your support of this always free podcast. In the meantime, hope to see you out on the road. Always do them again. Oxnard, Nashville, St. Louis, Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, and Phoenix. Hope to see you out doing stand-up. In the meantime, enjoy my chat with Brendan. He's so funny. Please check him out and get into it. There's a blanket behind you. And there's this blanket. <clears throat> I mean, I'm freezing. You're not freezing? I'm dying. <laughs> I'll use this one. I um, I just got this amazing coat. From, uh, I just got this amazing coat from this company called Save the Duck. Um, and it's like a... It's a vegan coat. It is like a vegan coat. Is it? Yeah. It's Well, it's not made with real duck fur, but it's um, it feels like a Canada goose. And I got it. I went to Chicago for Thanksgiving, and it was so freaking cold. And so I just like went into a Nordstrom and was like, "This is what I'm buying right now." <laughs> but they're cool. There, it's like it feels like it's made of uh, goose, but nobody's going to throw blood on you. Do people get upset about the goose? I think they do. I mean, I think the Canada Goose Store in New York, like people, notoriously just get blood thrown on them outside no. of it. I think so. I don't know if I'm, like, spreading a rumor, but... I always felt like I'm going to be Maybe. dumb right now. I always thought that, like, geese were like sheep and you could shear them. They're I'm... just murdering the geese? I don't know. Well, then they're probably, like, stuff... What's it called when they foie stuff gras. them? Yeah, I can't do that either. Foie gracket. I'm trying to blend foie, foie gras and jacket. Have you ever had foie gras? I have. Yeah. When I was a meat eater. Mm. Oh, and I, I mean... remember... I don't need it anymore. Got it. But I would buy a goose down jacket. I'm re- I'm just now realizing that that's like a blind spot. <laughs> like I've yeah. just never like I don't know. I just never considered it. Well, they are. I think they're like the warmest. But <laughs> so 
<laughs> you should get one <laughs> recommended for this if you're going to be doing a lot of podcasts back here. <laughs> I mean, on the upside, they are the warmest. You're from Indiana. I'm what from part? Indiana. I'm from Northwest Indiana, like um, an hour from Chicago. It's like the one little corner of Indiana that's on like Central Time. Up. OMG. And the rest of it is, um, so I consider it a Chicago suburb, but I'm very much from Indiana. Uh huh. What is it called? Because maybe I, Um, I, we used to drive down to the Indiana Dunes when I lived there. Oh, yeah. I'm from Valparaiso. I've been to Valparaiso. Yeah. I've also seen a play called Valparaiso. Really? There's a play called Valparaiso, and it's about Valparaiso, Indiana. No, it's not. It involves, it's like a very, it's one of the few times I've gone, this was with my first wife when we lived in Chicago. Mm. So we went and saw a play called Valparaiso. And it was like a fever dream. It was one of those like modern art. Like you, you always see it in TV. Like uh-huh. they go and they're like, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And you're like, where, where is that? Yeah. It's in Valparaiso. It's oh in my- the play Valparaiso. That's so fun. I wonder if Valparaiso is even aware of that. I, we're getting it. No, people now know that the geese are being slaughtered for the jackets, <laughs> which I'm disturbed by. And then also Valparaiso is, is hot. People it's from like know. the long history of like cities in in uh, America that's named after like a larger global city, you know, Valparaiso, right. Chile, and right. so right. You know, it's like Rome, Texas, and stuff like that. And they didn't even say new, no, new Valparaiso. Like York is a part of England. Yes. That's I mean I think I've done this riff before, <laughs> but like calling a place New England is like right away you're like fuck <laughs> you New Mexico it's better New and newer. York <laughs> just a crisper Mexico it's yeah. a crisper York well it was either call things new or like name things after the one guy who founded a town yes, there was yes. a lot of that too News Newsenberg like yeah. Jim Newsen <laughs> found it like I'm the first white person here and I'm just gonna call it my name oh my. God. God, we were just talking about like how how was Cowboys and Indians because I'm sure it was not to generalize Indiana, but like that's a pretty classic place, uh-huh. and we were all sold Cowboys and Indians. We're a little too young. Both of us are a little too young. Yeah, but how was that story? I'm including myself. You're like 19. <laughs> Both of us are just a little too young. I'm 40. You can see my gray beard hairs. Both of us don't know that one. I'm um, a lot older than I'm 29. Are you 29? Yeah. Oh, we've covered this. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. You but and I, I. I now look, I think I now look 26, but there was a certain time where I looked really young. That's what people tell me. 26? Yeah. You could definitely I, be 26. I played high school this year in a show, so all <laughs> so I would dark. say, like, if I was you, if I was you, if I was you, <laughs> I get so jealous of the people that can play, well, maybe not jealous, but I think it's cool that you could be in a high school thing. I thought I was done. Like, I did it. <laughs> I thought it was done. I thought it was done. I did a, a high school thing a couple years ago and was, like, really, like, Pull, you're like pulling your skin back when you're next to actual high schoolers. You're like oh, I'm 100 yes. years old. Yeah. And then I did it again this year um, for just one episode of this thing. Um, but I played, I played, I was with Lucas Hedges and I played somebody, not to name drop, but I, he's 22 and I'm 29 and I played younger than him. So <laughs> take that, Hollywood. <laughs> Like he was like an older person than me, and I was. And then you talk to him, and I'm like, "You are 22." <laughs> Omg, that's hilarious. But I, what I was getting at, not that it's important, was cowboys and Indians. That is just like the most classic Henson Town story. And I was like, "How did kids get into that?" I think we were. They were just told that Indians were bad guys. Yeah, 
Tonto. No, nobody had like a yeah Tonto. Yeah. Yikes. Played recently by um, you know what's Johnny his face? Depp. Johnny Depp. John Depp played Tonto. <laughs> that was the canary in the coal mine of his career. <laughs> We all saw that coming. <laughs> John Depp is too... Well, he just started playing a lot of kooky people. With, well, I remember Tonto. I feel bad even saying Tonto. It means stupid. No, it doesn't. It's in Spanish. means stupid. I didn't know that. Unless See, it's a feminine. I then took, you say Tonta. I took German in high school. And if you're like an staying, idiot. you have Tanta, Tantra. Okay, come on. Tantra. <laughs> <laughs> The Lone Lone Ranger and his sidekick Tantra, and it's Sting. (laughs) Hello, hello. All night. And then it cuts, the sketch is is not bad. It cuts to you and me, the writers, going, oh no, this sketch costs $32 million. Like, that's the sketch. It's like, how much blow have we done? (laughs) They should have never given us that grant. And then it just cuts back to him, and he's like, we can fuck these buffalo all night and we're like that's the best line and not even the crew laughed oh my god have you ever seen um this sasha baron cohen movie that came out recently but i i don't think anyone really saw it but it was the brothers grimsby Mm. it was it kind of came and went i think uh the studio buried it or whatever but um he and mark strong at one point it's a Funniest thing I've ever seen: climb into the vagina of an elephant to hide from spies or something like that. No, that's and not good, is it? They climb into a, and they've set it up in the beginning of the movie. They're like, "Well, you know, a elephant's vagina is so big," and then you're like, "You don't think about it." And then, flash forward forty five minutes later, and they are hiding in a vagina that then gets run train on by like a bunch of. This isn't bo- it. This boy. is like Wild Wild West. And they're style. getting like just poked in the face by like prosthetic vaginas and dicks. Oh, dicks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a le- yeah. Sorry. Prosthetic elephant dicks. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, oh, it's the no. most shocking thing I've ever seen in my life, but a, a really good laugh. <laughs> you could just watch that clip. <laughs> Nothing ages well. <laughs> Movies are just like dreams, but they became real things. And then they're like, remember that dream you had in junior high? And now we're like, oh, yeah. but I don't like that dream. That's terrifying. Anyway, I don't know why I talked about that. but I'm glad you did. It reminds me of there's, I believe it's the first, second, or first, it might be a deleted scene from the first Ace Ventura or the second Ace Ventura where he hides inside a rubber rhinoceros. Oh, yeah. And then he comes out. Remember, and then he's birthed by it in front of all the people who yeah. are like in the zoo. Yes, but it's really funny. Yeah, so funny. It was good. It's like Aah. Jim Carrey. There's certain people. You're. I bet he could make hiding. I don't know. I can't see the set piece. I'm not yeah. blaming Sasha Baron C. But <laughs> that part. And it's him and Mark Strong, who play brothers. Who's Mark Strong? Um, he's like the bald guy from. Um, he's British. Oh, he's in Kingsman? Oh, is he like a bad guy? He's also like... No, he's like in... Does he play the... Hitman, Hitman. Oh, okay. He's the Hitman. There he is, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. He plays... I know him as the bad guy in Shazam. Oh, yeah. Plane movie, although I liked it. Shazam... Plane movie used to mean... I thought of Kazam immediately. Shaq? Yeah. Shazam, is that the one with Zachary Levi? Yes. Buff now. Yeah, very buff. Buff. He Secret Kumail, we Kumailed. call it. Kumailed. He Kumailed before. Kum- 
He walked so Kamel could run. But what was he before? Was he in something before? Chuck. He was Chuck. <laughs> you just chucked me. It was in you. You locked your eyes on me as you should to go like I'm going to watch Chuck. this guy realize that that was Chuck. It was Chuck. There was a really funny. I don't know if it's like um an SNL bit or something, but it was all about how like. Chuck was an elaborate ruse by a network to convince you there was a show called Chuck, but nobody actually, the show Chuck did not actually exist. That's it was hilarious. all a marketing That's thing. That's hilarious. But I watched all of the first there, season of Chuck. Was, that was a Simpsons gag, actually. Uh, Is that, do you yeah, watch like New that. Simpsons? Um, sometimes, Because yeah. there was a New Simpsons where they were ta- explaining what TV was, and they were like, <laughs> none of these shows exist. They're like, the USA yes. Network doesn't exist. It's one of the funniest things. I'm so glad you saw that. Because yeah. as I was watching it, I was like, sort of sad that not that many people, or I, I think a lot of people do, but not that many people we know, I guess, yeah. watch The New Simpsons, because I was like, this is genius. I watch them occasionally, like not, not regularly, but sometimes I'll just be in a the mood. They're good. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. I did just write for them, but to get really? ready, yeah, I wrote I wrote two episodes for them. That's it was amazing. so cool. It was so cool. And then to get ready, I watched a bunch of new ones, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And I can say with what with my episodes, they send it through the ringer. Like they won't let it go out until it's fucking hilarious. They said yeah. they have like 15 geniuses. I picture living living in log cabins because they're just like unabomber style geniuses but for jokes yeah and they punch it up like a million times got it i mean i think feel like you write on that you could write on that show for 20 years or maybe some people have i think they have i think al jean's been on that show Mm -hmm. the whole time which is 30 years yeah that's not a bad life it didn't seem bad he seemed to still be enjoying it yeah no fooling he like you know, we're eating ice cream sandwiches. No fooling. <laughs> no fooling. <laughs> well, let's, Brandon, let's talk about you. Okay. You don't like it. Um, Tell me everything. Tell me your feelings. My feelings? About a podcast. My feelings? Do you not want to go deep? No, I can go. I'll, I'll tell you this. I am. I'm into your, this is your episode. It can be whatever you want. I struggle with podcasts in terms of, um, I get a lot of anxiety afterwards being like, I hope I didn't say hangover? anything stupid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and also it's like, it feels very conversational. I don't know you really well, but I want you to like me. And so like, that's maybe fun. I'll say something that's too much. <laughs> um, I, I did a podcast. I, I do a lot of comedy comedian podcasts, but the acting element means sometimes I get invited to do podcasts that are, you know, about fashion people or, or, and I got, I did a podcast by this mother daughter duo in June and they were like, we're coming to your house. We're in town from New York. We're going to come to your house. Like, this is a very, this is not a typical podcast. I am delighted. This is a podcast where we really get into it. And I texted my manager and I was just like, so like, I have an appointment at one. Will that be okay? And he was like, they say it's going to take four hours. <laughs> so they came over oh to my, my house. Oh my God, this is my nightmare. I, I, I've, can I interject? Yeah, go. I've said yes to things. They're like, it's just a documentary. It's just a guy in a camera. And I come home and there's craft services. That's food on the front lawn. And, and they rolled out no. runners and stuff like a full shoot. And then whenever I watch those, I'm like, you can tell I'm grumpy because there's like <laughs> 900 people in the house and yeah. no one told me. So you have that with time, which is even worse. Yeah. Four hours. So it was two 
uh, so it was two people and then two videographers. So two cameras, a bunch of mics set around my kitchen table. We I talked to these this mother daughter for three and a half hours. I cried. I was like, you know, immediately like, you know, by hour two and a half, you're in, you are in a fever dream, and you're like, I do, you're in Valparaiso. Right, like, I do comedy because I was. I was afraid of being bullied, and that's where my comedy comes from, yes. et cetera, weeping. And I oh just got an email God. from them because I've been wondering. I was like, when is that thing coming out? Just got an email from them, and it was like, hey, Brendan, just want to let you know we changed our strategies, and we're not releasing podcasts anymore. Thank you so much for your time. No <laughs> fucking shit need the raw audio. <laughs> I'm relieved. I need the raw audio. Uh, I'm relieved. I was like... <laughs> Immediately afterwards, I was like, what did I say? That is an incredible... That, like, belongs in a movie yeah. or something. I only say it on this because they'll never hear of this because they're um, people who... They don't interact with comedy outside of, like... Why uh, did they come to you for fashion? Um, I just do a lot of fashion-y stuff. You do? Yeah. They weren't just like, well, this is a gay man. He must love fashion. That would be uh, silly. Uh, so many gay men have horrible... <laughs> Pete Buttigieg has horrible fashion. He's embarrassing. Um, any, any gay man from Chicago basically is just a, even if you're listening to this, just take the North face off. What's underneath there? No, I think there's a misconception that. No, uh, I agree. That's why I was like, I was ready to take issue with that because I have some frumpy ass gay friends too. (laughs) We're going to put them on blast. (laughs) I I guess I was sniffing around it. I'm like, is that happening a lot? Do people assume like you must be. Like, like Queer Eye is just sort of doing that yes. again. No, that's like an element of all this that I really like is just nice clothes. Of what? Just like, you know. Of this? You, being a comedian, being an actor. That oh, kind of I stuff. see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. For you. I love it. <laughs> For you. For you, too. You're like wrapped in a am, huge blanket. <laughs> I am so gross. This sounds like a bit like everybody wants to be like, I'm gross. But like, I put on pants. For you. <laughs> I interviewed a- Ashling B yesterday, who's a, a, a lovely young mm-hmm. lady. Just wore the jams I woke up in. <laughs> and I, I don't, it wasn't even because it was you. It was more like, I need to get my shit together. Like, yeah. she mentioned them. And then Val was like, yes, <laughs> everyone notices. And I wear this fucking dad hoodie that has stains on it. I'm really a mess. Where are you? I mean, you're like in the thick of, you know, fatherhood. I mean, you can dress up, but there's like yesterday, Leela picked up a piece of bok choy from some food we were eating. It was Chinese food. And she ate it. And I was like, that's too big. (laughs) I was just watching it happen. I go, that's too big. And then Val was like, that was too big. You you realize that kids are uh, not that you don't have to watch them. But they work, is what we say. Like, they work. Like, you have to keep an eye on them, obviously. But if she eats something that's too big, you can usually just put your hand under her chin and she'll spit it out. It's like mm. this weird instinct. They knew, She knew what that meant. Too much food, yeah. But she put in this huge piece of bok choy and then we just sort of watched. And I was like, I think that's too big. And then she just went, <coughs> and like it went <laughs> flying out. Exorcist style. And I was like, this is why I don't dress up. Yeah, why would you? Why would I? I am like a, a wood carved mommy, like wine o'clock thing. Got struck oh by God. lightning. And then <laughs> Life's it's... too short to drink bad wine. 
that type of thing. Yeah, Lip, but it laugh, has to laugh. involve a toddler. It has to be like, toddler sleeps, mommy drinks. But that got struck by lightning, and then someone stapled a, an elephant dick to it. And that's me. Yeah, I mean, those are like a real, like, Marshall's cry for help. There's like just a whole... I'm a discount rep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm obsessed with Marshall's. But you go in there, and like half of it is devoted to like... Ant Why gifts. Why wouldn't you be obsessed with Marshalls? Have you been in a Marshalls? Design yet? on a Ant dime. <laughs> I haven't been in a Marshalls in a minute, but I'm assuming they still have earrings that are on cardboard. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> on like a comic book rack. Yeah, everything is like a diffuser that's just like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe I'm not doing straight out the bottle. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Mommy wine culture, I think, is so fucked. I yeah. think it's such a weird blind spot that they're like, they need help. Yes. They need help. They're like, Mom needs your pino. <laughs> I'm like, Could, do you need an afternoon off? Yeah. Would you like to go see a movie alone? <laughs> There's such Mom, a dark undercurrent to it's it all. Super dark. <laughs> I I I mean, why is it different than dad at your little league game having a, a fifth of whiskey or something? It's not. Yeah. It's not. I feel like dad is, it's a lot of like will work for beer type stuff. Dude. That's sad. This isn't. At least the the mom stuff's like fun and like usually f- like silly. The dad right. stuff makes me sad. Yeah. No. It's a fucking trip. I don't know why I didn't have something more interesting to say, but I'm just so in. Please don't let this conversation yeah. end. Do you feel like, I, I mean, do your parents ever get you stuff like that as like a new dad? Like, what I get that I don't care for, if that's what you're after, is Red Sox jerseys, and I just can't. Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm not saying this to force a connection with us, but I listened to that story of you, your dad, maybe you want to, it's up to you, uh-huh. your dad bought you a gun. <laughs> yes, would my you, dad got me a Would gun. you mind, I know you've said yeah. it on stage, but would you mind going through it just because it helped me just kind of connect yeah. with you. And I was like, this is me. I know you might not, I don't know what you might think, but I'm like, that is not just you. That yeah. is a story of pretty much every comedian I know. It that- is. Yeah. It's like, a, to be clear, my dad wasn't like, hey, here's a guy. <laughs> You were like, my dad bought me a jersey. <laughs> it is so. My dad grew up in Chicago. So did my mom. And then Chicago. You got to say it like Kyle Canaan. Yeah, Chicago. There's <laughs> <laughs> a rumor going around. I, Chicago. I wish I could say anything like him. I'm so bad at impressions. Um, <laughs> me too. Did you just hear? <laughs> I heard the Will Forte one. <laughs> I just can't do that. Will Forte. You, well, I listened to your one on Will Forte. Oh, you actually yeah. have some really good ones. Some dees. Some yeah. dees. Some dees. I won't make you do them again. Um, I would die to do them again. <laughs> but, <laughs> Keep going. This is your story. But um, so my my parents both grew up like in Chicago, South Side, um, White Sox fans, White uh. Sox people, and then um, and I'm from this huge Irish Catholic family. Like my mom's one of ten, my dad's one of six, I'm one of five, and so when I was five or six, my parents made the big trek wow. and moved out of Chicago. Is this Catholicism? I mean, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Irish, could it couldn't be anything else. The rhythm method of it all. Like it is sick. It is like ten. You can't kids. trust white people with rhythm. Sorry, I just wanted to do. No wonder they have so many kids. Was that Def Jam? That was a Def Jam voice, and we we don't know how we feel. I felt good about. I it. I felt okay about That's it, a but hot riff. <laughs> That's worth. Then put that in the act. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. 
You can have it. That's my gift. One of my favorite jokes ever is Melanie's Def Jam about um, Home Alone. How do you from, get lost on the yeah, grid? Yeah. I just thought about that yesterday. It's the funniest thing. How do you get lost in New York? It's a grid, baby. One it's up, a grid system, motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, so funny. He loves that style. We all sort of secretly wish we could do that. That's yeah. the point. It's like it's so fun. to that. The culture is so rich. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think there's there's definitely some pouch. Well, he there. paces like a Def Jam comic. He paces like Eddie Murphy or, or um, Chris Rock in the big spaces. In the big spaces. When I watched that, it took me a while to get you. I would say this if he was in here. Not that he's gonna. I heard what you said, Peter. <laughs> That's nothing. I have a cold. <laughs> I immediately fail. I do have a cold. I I can't do he it. Sounds now. like a small villain. Hello. <laughs> it's John Lovett. Hello. Where's the dip? He just wants the the ranch dip. He does. <laughs> Lovitz does. That's a little Hollywood BTS. Oh my god! I've never had someone out acronym me. <laughs> I knew what it meant immediately, even though I've never it's heard it. The scenes. I know. <laughs> okay. I bet on one. I bet in a scene. I loved it. Uh, Mulaney. Oh, so anyway. The Mulaney that I have known and loved for so long was Little Club Mulaney, so he was just standing there like you know, like a pencil in a wedge of cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what New York comedians often do because the venues are so small. Yeah. And now that he that he was doing Radio City and stuff, he he clearly put all this. It, that was my Kumail getting buff. I was like, oh, Mulaney's moving. Mulaney's steps. Like <laughs> Mulaney steps. There's like a. I mean, he's got long legs. There's definitely a gingerness. Is that like yeah. a, like a gingerality? Yes. <laughs> A showmanship. You couldn't see, but Brendan was was sort of pointing his toes like a gazelle. I, uh, I just saw cats last night. Angelical and cats. I saw gel, just jellic, not Angelica Houston. Cats. <laughs> it's just jellical. It's jellical. I thought it was always like as unto an angel. No, jellical is a made up word. Je- uh, it's the biggest train wreck I've ever seen. It Can I ask me- you something? Yeah, coming in hot. It made me. Come? What? <laughs> no, you just said it made me. Come. It made me sick. Come? <laughs> I didn't. Know. You're like, what does he want from me? It made me come. <laughs> Sorry, it's no- 10 a.m. <laughs> I know. Thank you for moving this early. <clears throat> preach, um, preach. It made me sick to my stomach. Really? See, the CGI immediately. There's something about it that um, makes me want to puke. I I believe it. I talked to. I did something with James Corden, and I was like, "What was that like?" I mean, that's a crazy cat. So I was like, yeah. what was that like? He's like, easiest shoot I've ever done. Most fun I've ever had. Just walking around with dots on your face. That's what he said. He was like, it was crazy fun. During the breaks, we just look at each other and be like, can you believe how easy this is? Like, I, I guess it was very easy. There's a moment where he, I couldn't believe it. There's a moment where he, so they're all in cat suits and don't have any sort of like genitalia. <laughs> but there is a moment where he gets, he lands on something and gets hit in his nuts and he has like a full like ooh nuts reaction, but he has no nut. Like yeah. he has no nads. Yeah. Or Do you think anything. James might have been like, should I have wee little nuts? <laughs> I'm sure. Could we have a shot of them? Just two little kitty nuts. <laughs> well, you know, Brit. Just the size of pistachios. <laughs> this is not an impression. This is just a stereotype um, at this point. I, I want a cup of tea. <laughs> 
feet like that. This is not an impression. James, I love you. I'm so sorry. I, I mean, every, I don't know him, uh, would love to, but every British person I know is like the most disgusting person I've ever met. Like, what do you mean? Like, I there's mean... this idea of like British people very prim and proper, but every British person is just like, hey, you want to stick it in my bum? <laughs> like, I bought it. Can you believe it? Yeah, they, I, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> When when Ashling was on, she would riff in any direction, and that's what I tend to like about our European counterparts. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're right because they sound like, oh my god, I wouldn't touch a piano without gloves. <laughs> what am I, a, a chimney sweep? <laughs> and then you talk to one, and they're like, yeah, but get one of your knots up your butt, oh. and you're like, whoa. But I made it Cockney. I should have kept the accent right. the same because that's should've. the point. It's, it's not Cockney. It's just like, I think they don't have as much... Stuck in your butthole. They don't have as much shame. That's why they're always like, you're a bell end. You're a twat. Right. And, and they're like, goodbye, Grandma. And they're they've on the phone. Goodbye, shook, Grandma. Yeah. They've kind of shook the like Puritanism that's that right. we are um, you know, still trying to exercise. I think that's true. I think that's true. Exercise. And can I ask you this about cats? Yeah. I have a lot of follow-up questions. Yeah. First of all, jellic is a fake word. Jellical. <laughs> so, I don't know. Jellico. I thought Jellico was having the quality of Jellico. Jellico. It's not Jellical. Like you have the quality of Jellic. You're Jellico. If I just spelled it wrong for your listeners, I'm sorry. Somebody's with dots on their face listening. It is. So it it, it, every frame of it could make you laugh. I saw it obviously in a theater in Glendale. Only with I saw it with. 14 gays and then there were two other people in the audience and we were just like we're sorry this is gonna be rowdy oh every time somebody new came on stage we were like like, (laughs) cheering like it is a you can't go to watch cats opening night quietly no at 10 (laughs) if i went and i and and a group didn't come in to make it a party i would be so sad is there anything sad you're like this is gonna be fun this is gonna be like rocky horror and then it's just you (laughs) and they was just the two of them on some sort of date and i'm like god bless the 14 gays who came in and made this a moment for you because this is it, it is unwatchable yeah How's Mr. Mustafa? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a question Magical. for you. <laughs> that, that musical does not mind being a musical. You know oh what I mean? God. It's like, with magical Mr. Mustafa <laughs> Like, that is something you write That's when the- you're like, we're shooting cannons. <laughs> we are not shooting handguns. This is a cannon musical. <laughs> magical Mr. Mustafa. It's so low. That song is maybe nine minutes long. <laughs> it's like... Because, like, the whole time he's trying to magic back Judy Dench, who's been stolen by Idris Elba, who's oh magical, in, a, in a, a plot move that doesn't feel right. And So um, they added stuff. They or added I can't stuff. remember the plot. I've seen Cats three there times is no plot. I was a it's, child. It's basically just, like, a moment where uh, somebody's just like, and what's your name? Which is now the most triggering sentence of my whole life. <laughs> like, anytime someone's like, what's your name? I'll be like... Brendan Scannell, he's a glamorous cat. <laughs> Does he know anything other than that? This like, is this is like I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. What is going on here? Uh, Brett Gelman, John Mulaney's a really good friend of mine. John Brett Gelman did a show called um, it called Ten Thousand Cats or something, really making fun of exactly what you're talking about before the movie, where wow. it was just like it's just introducing cats. 
finger on the pulse that brat way ahead of time did it get he's our Malkovich did it get scary <laughs> I'm not joking <laughs> did it get scary when the ninja cats come in in the second act I remember when I was a kid because the whole first part is like meet this cat and it's cat humor and they have a big ball of yarn <laughs> and then the second act the lights go down and all these ninja cats with glowing eyes are breaking the fourth wall and little Pete in his tiny Marshall's khakis didn't care for it yeah. every year, including the year. This takes us back to your gun story. You went kind every of. year? No, no, no. I, I went three times. My That's mom, more than enough. I know. That's two more times than you need. OM Jesus. I went because my mom loved cats. My mom is one of those people that no one knows what she wants or likes, but she's sort of like okay with cats. So we're like, here's everything cats. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what to do. I think that happens sometimes with women where like they pick an animal and it sort of becomes their talisman. And so every That's it. their house is full of like, It's you her know, familiar. Meow, meow. Her familiar. Yeah. <laughs> meow, meow. It's wine o'clock. For a second, my mom, this wasn't an animal, but my mom got into lighthouses. Yes. And so all of her girlfriends, I anytime there Xanax. was anything. <laughs> that, that killed me every time some that, of her friends came over or like went abroad or to Maine or whatever they'd be like oh and here's a little lighthouse for Nance so our house became just a, a covered with lighthouses did you almost say a mausoleum <laughs> because that's right. it sounds like you're closing your mother in you always knew where the rocks were <laughs> <laughs> ah! say what you want about my mom not one tiny boat has ever crashed <laughs> on the rocks crashed my house what if they did oh movie pitch uh oh movie pitch we have two lone lone ranger and tantra and now we have your mom you move out to go in show business this movie's about your mom and then one night she wakes up to a sound in the kitchen she goes down and the lighthouse is on and she opens the little door and there's a tiny man like a captain Uh who lives in the lighthouse it's like indian in the why did i have to move out because it's it's an allegory for what uh, how moms feel empty nest. Got it. And then the and I'm gonna let you you can cast the guy. I'm seeing Russell Crowe. Tiny but, man. Oh, so an like an older. He's not a me. He's not you. No, no. He's just gonna like. At the end of the movie, we realize that she's just gone criminally insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll go with Russell. <laughs> seems like a seems like a down to earth guy. Spe- I'll speaking go with Russell, Russell if it ends this riff. Russell Crowe was well. Tom Hooper, who directed Cats, directed Les Mis, which Russell Crowe is Singing criminal in. in. Yes. Look at I am Javert. I cannot believe that you're over there. I mean, Hugh Jackman. Say what you will. Uh, giving a he's performance, a showman. a showman like yes, he's uh, the greatest. Showman. Anne Hathaway. I have a bag with her dying on it in that movie, and it's. I get the most compliments to any bag I have ever owned. <laughs> It's called my acting bag. It's just her passing away on a tote in that movie. Oh my god! And and then he, over here you've got Russell Crowe stinking up the place. All of Cats is like just a long Russell Crowe in Les Mis moment. It's that's hilarious. I do have another follow up question about Cats, but I'm never going to work after this. Ugh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or maybe that's I'll... so funny. I've been shitting lightly on the morning show, and every after every episode, I'm like. Was that too much? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Amazing people make things that might not work for you. Like I, yeah. I wrote on a show called Outsource and it got really panned. 
one of the most brilliant staffs. It, I mean, I'm using the word brilliant about the staff yeah. of Outsource. Some of the best. I keep in touch with a lot of them. A lot of them are working on amazing things. And they made something that just didn't work for some people. My first job was this reboot of the movie Heathers. And it was like going to be this huge thing. And uh, it got so incredibly panned and then never got really released because there's um, like school violence in it. And then oh. every time they went to release it, a uh, shooting happened and the network basically just Hearing. kept pulling it from the air. And during all of this, because it's based on kind of like an IP, like people would just basically dunk on me on Twitter for <laughs> A two-year experience of that. <laughs> but as I was shooting it, I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had. Yeah, that's Like, it. to be James Corden, I was like, "I this is the best job of my whole life. Yeah, yeah. And then the release, I mean... That's that's exactly right. Was a... The release was a fiasco. I think he... I can't speak for James. He didn't say anything about this, but I got the sense that he knows... That it's, it's at cats. least it's cats. That's the word. It's not silly. It's not stupid. It's not campy. It's cats. It's cats. It's cats. There's a. I wonder if they had press training. If anyone leads you to the irony or the weird cult gay following, <laughs> I, it's not just gays. Everybody the was into furry, that movie. Yeah. And then they go, just say it's cats. Hey, it's cats. Hey, it's cats. When when Heather's was coming out and we were getting media training and everyone was just like, how can you release this in a time? When this is going on in our culture in such an intense way, the Viacom media trainer was just like, just say it's entertainment. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, I mean. An, Long, I was, thin cigarette. Just say it's, it's entertainment. And now, like, I'm, like, completely desensitized to um, kind of, like, fee- the internet or feedback and stuff like that in a really good way because of that experience. But at the time, I was, like hold up in my room lights off crying oh no like it was really dark. doing a four-hour fashion like, podcast yeah <laughs> don't I, release this i was like texting my friends for clonopin like O-M-G. it was dark really yeah it hit you hard it hit me hard last night i don't often go on the tweetsies but i went on last night because I, I i feel the you know what's fucked up is i got the new phone my phone i had the two phones ago yeah the last one you got the, the 11 button. yes and it just started fucking turning off at 3%. And I, I was fucking freezing in New York. I called an Uber and then it died. Thank, what is this, a bad story? <laughs> you <laughs> ever just realize you're telling a bad your story? Charge your phone, get a power block. It had a, it had a 98% and it had an extra battery. And I just, you know what I mean? There was no reason. It was yeah. just a fucked up phone. So then I got the new one. I was just like, fuck it. They were like, oh, well, we could repair it, take a week, whatever. And it cost this. And I was like, fuck it. Just give me the upgrade. And I did the upgrade. And with the upgrade, you use the phone more. Of course. Yeah. It's it's like. So pretty. It's like touching cold cream or something. It's just like putting your fingers in mashed potatoes. Ew. <laughs> Wait, these are good things. Oh, I, what I mean is, it's like touching the back of Silver Surfer. How's that? Ooh. It's just so pleasant. <laughs> Why is this the most erotic that, thing I've ever seen? That's a comic book villain. Oh, he's a good guy. Oh, okay, and Rise he, of the Silver Surfer. He rose, I always thought they fought him. I think he started bad. I missed that one. We all missed it. You know yeah. what? I'm done. I'm not seeing the new Star Wars. I don't give a shit. I'm done. Yeah, I really am. Every Star Wars I've seen, and there's a talking about great people making things that just might not be for me. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Adam Driver. I love him to death. But the last couple Star Wars I've gone, I'm just like people are going, "Woo, yeah!" Like when the Lucasfilm thing comes up, and I'm like, "I don't know. I've had a 
I haven't had a colonoscopy, but this is where you would say it. Like, because I'm 40, yeah. you'd be like, I can't. This isn't. You haven't anymore. had one? No. You got to get one. I do? Yeah. Really? I think so. Katie? Katie doesn't. Know. I think I'm addicted to going to the doctor, though. Really? Yeah. I would get them now if they would let me. Hypocon? Um, I just love having somebody tell me that, like, like, okay, these are. Your, I love getting my like blood levels done and like being like, I need to be taking more vitamin E. And that you kind like of to stuff. open the the settings yes. app on your body. Mm-hmm. You want to go like, I want to see what's going on in there. That's a type of ASMR. Are you familiar with that? Going to the doctor, where people ask you personal questions and they're like, how many how many bowel movements do you have a day or or whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I don't have it either. You just made a face that made me feel ashamed Not for me. just for telling you that it exists. <laughs> and then I had saying. to very quickly be like, don't shame me. I don't have it. Not for but me. the bowel movements one isn't one, but that'd be like, how much do you sleep every night? Mm-hmm. Or like things like that. Or like, just, do you ever have any pain in your feet? <laughs> I like, actually do really like, like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can look that do up. Do you get headaches? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of great. Do you dream a lot? Do you dream? And they pause. I tried it. I, I did the ASMR thing because I was like, I've never looked at ASMR and just been like, fucking, I'm just going to masturbate. I've ne- oh. There's something erotic going on. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no. I don't need this. I, I Let's just skip to the meal. What I, don't I don't need like someone is... being like, have you, ever, have you ever seen a frog in a pond? Yeah. Um, no, just, just crank it. Have you seen the it. ones where they eat really spicy food? No. It's just, you know, it's obviously like very beautiful women and they eat spicy food. And oh. then they're like, oh, my God, it's so hot. Oh. And then, then they, like, drink cold milk and this that is, kind of that's stuff. That's sex. That's sex. It's a, I mean, it's certainly not for me, but um, it's no, good I to, don't. like, kind of jump into... <laughs> Again, you shame me. I mean, not for me. It's, it's, it's a, I just mean jumping into straight sexual. culture for a second. <laughs> there's Dick. something sexual going on. Because you just said it's always... The most popular ones tend to be very beautiful. Yes. And then they're just like, I'm just going to open this... Christmas paper. And you're just like, why can't this just be a guy being like, what's going on? <laughs> because it's fucking sex. Hey guys, you feel it on your taint. You go, Aah. I'm not crazy about like the sound of a mouth smacking, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Sorry to do it for your followers, but I'm, it's just not for, that's my why we don't eat on the pod. If I, I have a, I have a little uh, snack bar in my pocket. And I was like, maybe if Brendan tells a story that looks like it's going to go a long time. He'll just set it down. Because I have to put the mic far away because I'll get so go, – going back to the tweetsies, so many comments yeah. where they're like, it's a real thing. Do you want to eat it? I could tell the gun story. I'm okay right now. Yeah. But I do want to hear the gun story. But I was also telling you that I went on Twitter and for the first time in a long time, somebody tweeted something mean to me. And I just sort of was like – I watched myself. I was I, I watched my inner state and I was like, this is okay. Yeah. Like – I understand. I had retweeted something anti-Trump or whatever, and I was like, it's just going to happen for a day or two. You just know that that's going to happen. I'm also sometimes impressed that these people who clearly have no idea who I am research you to think of something mean to say based on your career. And I'm like, <laughs> if only you could use that power for good. Yeah. Instead of just trying to be like, I'm going to fuck up your day a little bit. <laughs> It's what it, ASMR for Trump trollers. I don't get upset when it um, comes into my mentions or whatever, or like comments. I get upset at myself when I, whenever I reply to it, yeah. I spend 
you know, six to eight weeks being like, you idiot. Why like, did you reply? Why did you reply? Yeah, when I see That person people... clearly has like their own thing going on, their own issue that has nothing to do with me. Right. And so to engage with it is um, immature. Well, when people retweet it and like with a comment just to let their followers troll them, I'm like, yeah. guys, use use your powers for good. Sarah Silverman once did it very beautifully where she retweeted something mean with with a comment and she just had a like an open dialogue about like what's going on, what's wrong. I forget how it ended, but it ended with him opening up, I think, about being like super depressed and she like uh pointed him in direction of help. Damn. It was really beautiful. She's great. But I was like I I can't be doing that. I think I guess I could. I, Someone play I think women can neighbor, do it. Please? I think women can do whatever they want in terms of like <laughs> You know, if a, if somebody comes for a woman online and they dunk on them, I'm, you know, in I'm in the stands cheering for that. Yeah. It's when like a guy who has like it's when a guy does it where I'm like, like, whatever. Well, when I was on Best Week Ever, I remember one of the topics because I loved so... Best Week Ever. I know. Wasn't it fun? Oh, my God. All the I love the 90s. Best Me Week too. Ever. I was, that's what I grew up on those shows. Me, too. Like, I thought Michael Hal Ian Sparks, Black. I thought Hal Sparks. I thought yes. Hal Sparks and Michael Ian Black were like the and it still are to me like the biggest stars in the world. <laughs> I know. I remember very distinctly thinking about moving to New York. I was living in Chicago and I'd watch Best Week Ever and I'd be like, Paul Shear? Yeah. And it said comedian. So I always assumed that he was a stand up and I was like, what is that guy's stand up? Like, like uh, he's an improviser and an yeah. actor. He's wonderful. But like, I just assumed everybody was me. I was watching different me's on the show and it gave me this outlet. And then I was on it. It was fucking That's insane. Amazing. And then why did I bring that up? Oh, one of the stories was that Joe Rogan got in a huge MySpace war with a troll. And I remember... Recently? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, I still remember it because on Best Week Ever, you had to like kind of spin everything that it was great. And it was like it wasn't really great. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't not great, but it wasn't my favorite topic because I think at one point in the email he's like, he's like, I've been on nine series. I, I, and I like Joe a lot. This is not shots fired. This happened. Yeah. And he was like, sort of. This is Fear Factor Joe. This was Fear Factor Joe being like, That's I never have to work again. Yeah. You, you little shit. So he was feeling aggro, and that's fair. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not shaming. I'm just saying I didn't know how to make that light. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to be like you, code Joe, or shut that fucking kid up. I sat that one out. I've been really. I'm. I've been really, really good, and I'm kind of just disassociate from the stuff. But I. I got really upset at the internet. Um, of all the things to get upset at, the internet got really upset that. Um, Melissa McCarthy was going to play Ursula in the new Little Mermaid. And a lot of the internet was like, why would you cast her? Like, you should cast a drag queen. Like, that's interesting. It was like, she is a drag queen, right? Ursula? Kind of. Well, are you the internet right now? I was just like, (laughs) most of the people I follow. The internet right now is the funniest thing anyone's ever said. (laughs) Most of the. Are you being the internet right now? That is so (laughs) funny. I will never forget that classic (laughs) 
That was like an exacto knife burn. I mean, you could call someone out pretty easily. Just, are you being the internet right now? That's so funny. Thank you for that. But a lot of my feed was just I was like, trying they should have cast a drag queen in this. And we had just had Valentina not do that well in Rent Live. And I was like, we've drag queens aren't actors. Interesting some of them, funny. Yes. Some of them are, but... This is also Melissa McCarthy, the biggest comedy star of her generation, a person who fought tooth and nail for respect in this industry for many, many years, who has come out on top and should be on top and now wants to play Ursula and she should and you're all idiots. And then somebody was like, this is actually like... like anti... This is like homophobic. Like this is against drag queens. Like... What you said. and Yeah. And I was just like, bitch, I am a faggot. Like, can you stop? Like, who did, are did you? Did you say that? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And it was God. just like, I could. And they were just like, just because you can't say. And I was like, oh. And then I'm clearly still <laughs> torn up about it because I'm talking oh about it God. literally three months later. And I was like, that was a moment of like, Brendan, you're so weak. OMG. Shouldn't have gotten into the fray. <laughs> I don't mean to circle back. I wasn't saying a drag queen should play Ursula, but I was like, she has that vibe. Well, she's modeled off of uh, Divine, who is... That's the, it. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. The eyelashes. So that was the argument. I see. But um, I also thought you were going to say Melissa McCarthy kumailed too much. Got too buff? Well, she's very skinny now. Oh, is she? Yeah, she's skinny. I guess I haven't checked in with her in a second. Yeah, she, she lost a lot of weight. Good Which is her. yeah, it is good for her. I think a lot of people. That's when, what she wants, for sure. Um, I think being skinny can be expensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, like Kumail's post, he talks about all the people that helped him. Yeah. do that. I ran and into like, him at like the Virgil a couple months. That must ago have hurt. And, yeah, he. I just ran right into him. <laughs> he is made out of cured oak wood now and he and um my good friend joel kim booster who's a very buff comedian if you don't want to tell us his name you don't have to make up (laughs) joel kim booster that is his name i believe it now he got name checked joel you're great but they were basically just next to each other being like and this is all the stuff i have to do at 5 a.m i have to wake up in the middle of the night to eat joel blends chicken in a blender and eat and drinks it with water like rocky yeah. Just to get it in them. Yeah. That is like Rocky. It's like the eggs thing. You got to get 20 grams of protein in you real fast or whatever. Tough. Yeah. No me gusta. No me gusta. <laughs> Can you edit that out? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no me gusta. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. It means I don't like it. Okay. Um, Here's my cat's question. Yeah. I can't believe that, by the way. That's intense. Well, I remember Kumail. I saw him. The last I saw him, actually, was he was really big, like uh, chunky. And I would say mm. that if he was in the room, because he was. He was eating ice cream. And, like, that's part of it, I guess. Oh, Batista you... told him, you get real big. like, you... And then you tone it? And then you tone it. Like, you have to sculpt something. So that's why there's, like, weight gain powders and stuff. And he was just... It was a very fun Kumail, because he loves Great British Bake Off. So he's like... Do you want to have some buttercream? And I'd be like, Yeah, sure. I'm wow. just I'm just eating it for pleasure. And he's like, This is part of my plan. And I'm like, This is part of my life. He's gonna sculpt you. I do the part before the sculpting my whole life. I wow. never sculpt. Batista told him that's somebody you want to trust. For in terms of tone? Oh yeah. Yeah, in terms of tone. I yes. 
I just watched Judd's new movie, which is great, and there's two gags that rely on someone being really, really muscly, like Batista muscly. Yeah. There is something sort is of like... Is it the Pete Davidson one? Yeah. Oh, nice. There's something sort of funny about someone huge next to a, like a comedian. Yeah. Although Pete is sort of... I sort of was having a hard time being like, wow, Pete's got like muscles. He's like a muscly... He's like a skinny guy, but he's, yeah. he's not wearing a shirt a lot in the movie. And like, you're like, wow, he looks great. Yeah, he just did like a paper magazine shoot and he's like very fit in it. Yeah, I yeah. guess I didn't expect it. I sort of thought he had... Not that Sandler's... not. I, I always think that he's the Sandler of this SNL, mm. you know, in that way, the weekend update, kind of like, yeah. I'm just being me and I'm going to sing about my red hooded sweatshirt. And then if Sandler looked like that, I would have been shocked, too. That's my point. The first I've actually already consumed two bits of Sandler content today. This morning, I woke you up. You woke up. At, that's your the chicken first in thing I woke up. <laughs> yeah. First thing I woke up and I watched him just ball with kids at a 24 hour fitness on like, you know, a, a basketball court. Wait, this is IRL. IRL. He like, I think recently just like pops into pick up basketball games at gyms um and he's like gets buckets and at one point he like delivers an expert pass like it comes to him and then he whips it into the paint for a an assist and um oh my Jesus! yeah and then i watched him uh just a little bit of his interview on david spade's show Wait, so you saw him in real life and then you were like... No, no, online. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought no. he came to your gym this morning. No, I'm sure he's like in, in New York somewhere, right? What? Huge bug. Wow, that's a big-ass spider. Are you afraid of it? That's okay. Just as a bit of play-by-play, there's a spider in the studio and Pete just went to use a cup to, you know, put it on the wall and then take it outside, but there was green juice in the cup so now there is green juice he just threw green juice all over the wall i know i just that was the right you did the right thing like talking to a shook person you did the right thing you did the right thing i'm not super afraid of spiders i bees really scare me though i think that's a good one bees will fuck you up my mom is allergic to bees so i just have this distinct memory of when i was a kid of us like going golfing um because another thing we tried to do in indiana was like become suburban and so (laughs) i took like golf lessons and we went golfing like twice and uh she got stung by a bee and so i had to administer an epipen to her and then call an ambulance oh no was she showing need of the epipen was she like closing up yeah she's just so uh, allergic to bees so because i was allergic to my bees my whole life and then later i was like i don't think i am because i got stung and I was like, somebody misdiagnosed me. I had a friend who was allergic to milk all growing up. So he would have pizza with no cheese and no dairy. And he was deathly allergic to dairy. And then at a certain point in high school, he had it and he didn't react. And we were all like, how long have have you... Was that just a thing you grew out of? Yeah. Because it seemed... And now he can eat it, but he doesn't really, which is great. Because it's better for you health-wise. Yeah. But we were all like, so you can eat it? <laughs> allergies like milk have an expiration yeah let's what were we talking about i did have my cats follow up oh hit me hit it here it comes so i'm in a theater and the cats preview comes on and i live on the east side of los angeles and i'm ready to have a good ironic giggle and ig that's not instagram it's ironic giggle (laughs) (laughs) and it's playing 
And then James Corden is on the teeter-totter, and he doesn't. someone else jumps on it, and he doesn't get catapulted. And he's like, did you really think that was going to work? And I laugh, <laughs> like 100% real. That's a funny part of it. Is it? Yeah. That's my question. Is there anything that's that caught you like, that's pretty good? That was super funny. Um, Rebel Wilson's in it. And so it seems like there were certain moments where they were like, Let's just put James and Rebel together and just see what happens. And then, so there's this whole element to Cats, this very highly choreographed movie that's very like, is this a Judd Apatow buddy comedy all of a sudden? Where she's just like, <laughs> like there's all of a sudden like a riff element to it that really is kind of shocking. But um, <laughs> there, she's got some good ones. She, There's this one moment though where she's just like... <sighs> Look what the cat dragged in, and you could see you can see that it's like a rebel improv of of being like, how silly would it be if they I even put this in the movie? <laughs> and you can see, sense that from her, and then they put it in the movie. Oh my god! Because you know she's somebody she like kind of makes her living by. I think she she does a really great thing where she's kind of like outside of it looking in a little bit yeah i know what you mean and um she's doing it while having this like extra personal experience yeah and an out of body really hard to pull off but she pulls it off and um but in cats it's super weird (laughs) yeah i watched a rebel wilson thing recently where some psychic do you know about this there's some show where this like kind of young good-looking guy he's like very young goes around and just does psychic readings for celebrities and she was one of them. And I was like, this show's stupid. And like 10 minutes in, she's like bawling. Because he's like, what's going on with your sister? Can we call her? And he calls her sister. And he's like, I just want you to know, I know it's a hard time right now. And and she starts crying and Rebel starts crying. And I was wow. like, have you ever had anything like that? That's my question. Um, I've never been to a psychic. I've Brendan. Yeah. Just I, make something up. I've done just therapy. I, I'm currently ghosting my old therapist who. Wait, um, you mean they keep going like, you need to come back. Yeah. Like the social worker and Joker. You need to come back. And you're like, no, to the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, wear a suit. Where did it come from? That's like now a um, an Instagram moment. Like a lot of people are doing like photos on the stairs, oh, Joker it's stairs. It's in Chicago, isn't it? I think it's in Harlem or oh, something. Oh, that's right. It's in Harlem. Um, but uh, Dark Knight was shot in Chicago. And... Spider-Man, because I worked at that Bennigan's in Chicago. Have you ever been to that Benny's? I have not been, but I right am by the Art Bennigan's. <laughs> and Actually, I have been to that Bennigan's in yeah, Michigan. Everybody's been to this Bennigan's. Yeah. It's South Michigan, just barely South Michigan. Yeah. 150 South Michigan, to be clear. It's, it's a Walgreens now. Oh, God. But that's where they shot Uncle, Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben's brown rice? <laughs> saying, ben. saying to Peter Parker's rice? He says, great power, great responsibility. It's in front of the Art Institute. Oh. But they're playing it kind of brilliantly as the, the post Toby office. One? Yeah, it's a Toby. Got it. It's the only Spider-Man I like. I'm just kidding. And missed to the Garfield ones. Just missed them. Garfield? And Andrew Garfield. Which ones did he do? He did two of them in the middle of there. The Amazing Spider-Man uh, with Emma Stone. At a certain point, that is that goes back to my Star Wars thing. At a certain point, sometimes you just go like, I think I need to take a break. Because they're all amazing. <laughs> Say it like you mean it, Pete. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I no. guess they all have some value. 
Uh, but I, at a certain point, I'm just like, I can't with the spectacle. Like the Martin Scorsese thing where he's like, they're not cinema. We, it's, it's boring to talk about. Everybody knows. I think everybody knows what he means, but we have to be like, fuck you. They're fun. Yeah, they are fun. But I, I, I'm just older now and I'm just like, I just want to watch There Will Be Blood. I just want to watch like mm. films. <laughs> have and you I, seen Marriage Story? Yeah. Here's a riff make on you Marriage Story. you want to get divorced. <laughs> it made me think Val was going to leave me for weeks. That's why... And we have a very healthy relationship, but I've been left before, and I was like, that movie fucking freaked me out. Yeah. When somebody's just like, first of all, Noah Baumbach is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, and I loved it, and it's great. Yeah. And I can't get over the Netflix icons for it, moments that aren't in the movie where the whole family's together just enjoying each other. One of the icons is just Adam Driver sort of like whimsically leaning on his hand. And oh, I was yeah. like, the preview really leans into just like, this is what I love about you. Well, that's because they know you love family comedies or they know you love family stuff. That that's family's right. important to you. And so they show you those moments Isn't- where for me, you know, a lonely gay man. They just show me like Adam Driver. They show me Scarlett Johansson screaming. Do they? All the icons are her just like, ah! Is that like, real? Yeah, we'll click this. <laughs> Because that would be more honest. No, I it's felt true. like that's it's like it's very highly curated to what they think you will click. Like they have like thirty options based on your data, and it makes you the most. Cl- and and then they test them like crazy. No shit. Yeah. Because I have a bit on stage right now where I'm like, they say there's an algorithm, but I've watched every episode of Great British Bake Off. A new season came out, and they're still pushing Ozark. <laughs> I didn't know a new season came out. It was buried. Like that subtle of Great British Bake Off. New episodes. I had to find it. Well, I think sometimes when they spend a lot of money on something, Ozark. they're like, this That's is right. like the thing. Yeah. Please watch Irishman. But for the icons, it's like very um, curated to you. That's interesting. My Irishman icon, I wonder what yours is, but mine is Robert De Niro looking <laughs> like he's wearing like Halloween makeup. I'm sorry. I'm sure people worked really hard yeah. to make him look young. He doesn't. He looks like my dad with a powdering. <laughs> yeah. Like someone just powdered my dad and was like, you're 39. And he's like, no, that dude's 74. Yeah. Well, mine's Joe Pesci and drag just saying like, <laughs> behave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, the Irish woe man. <laughs> I kn- <laughs> Sorry about that. I loved it. Sorry. <laughs> Need the rip. I uh, didn't finish Irishman. I'm sure it's great. I wish I had seen it in the theaters um, because it's one of those things I feel like you have to like commit and watch yeah, it. I haven't seen it. But I tried to watch it in the old sauna. And when he... You have a TV in the sauna? That's what that stand is. You put the iPad on it. Get into it. Damn. Not into the sauna, but get into it. <laughs> but... um. When he had to, like, I just was watching Robert, and with full respect, just watching his body, and he's moving like a very old man. I was like, with respect, Martin Scorsese, one of my fave. We're both just ending our careers. I'm just like, did they consider having a young man play young De Niro? Yeah, why not? Can we do that? It would have been great to find a new young De Niro, somebody that's just got that gravitas. It has a cat's element to it where it's like really, it really focused on the CGI in a way that's kind of distracting. And like if I they had know. just done cats with them in tights and crazy makeup, I would have been way more there for it because I would have been like, ooh, the theatricality of it. Right. But there was a CGI element that's like, oh, I'm watching something that's half baked or something that's been put on it. Yeah. It's somebody wearing a fake mustache at your party. 
and they're that's like, never happened to me. <laughs> what? Has that happened to you? Many times. What I'm saying is what? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying you can't get used to it. Scottish. Like someone that's just like, "Hello, I'm Steve," and you're like. But you don't know him well enough to be like, is that a fake mustache? That's how you feel when you're watching a CGI movie. You're like, this, this. I have my no brain, idea what you're talking about. Your brain registers it as real, kind of. But there's something in you that goes, this is a warm spot in a pool. I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what I mean. Oh, well, I remember the first time they did that, like, de-aging, or that I'm aware of, was Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah. The newer Tron. And yeah. That was the first. I only know Jeff Bridges as like the dude and is an old person um, in my life. Yeah, um, and I was like, Jeff Bridges is fucking hot. <laughs> Has he always been? And the answer was yes. Yeah, people tell me I look like Jeff Bridges, and then they have to go Starman because they don't want me to think that I was look Jeff Bridges, right? Starman was Jeff Bridges. What am I thinking of? What? Am I thinking of Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges have definitely sat in chairs for auditions together. Yeah. On each other's laps. <laughs> well, now we're just having fun. <laughs> tell me about the gun. Oh, the gun. Uh, Brendan, tell me about the gun. When I had the gun. Um, so we moved to Indiana and my dad kind of... I'm uh, sorry, from? From Chicago. Okay. And so my right. dad kind of late in life or in his middle age became um, an outdoorsman of sorts. And a lot of his uh, friends in indiana guy friends dude friends were like hunters and um do you get the sense that your dad was trying to be something he wasn't a little bit yeah yeah i mean i don't think it's i he, i will say this he doesn't really do it anymore so i think it was kind of like a phase to fit in like a socialization with your clan yeah yeah with the clan no yeah. i don't mean the k clan i yeah. just mean like your, your tribe right your tribe c clan if Catholic i moved clan. to what part it's valparaiso is like yeah. sort of I don't want to say rural, but it's real Indiana. It's like a, a small town, and but if you drive 15 minutes, it's all cornfields. Yes. So it's... Um, you I know, toured a lot. There's like a the TGI Friday. South Bend uh, Funny Bone. Oh, yeah. And it was always scary. Drive. My opener for all those towns was like, driving in was terrifying because there's no streetlights, there's no cell reception. And the, I think the bit was like, if I pulled over... And the children of the corn just came out. All listen to how old this joke is. I'd go. All I could do is just play snake and wait for them to eat my soul. Snake <laughs> on the old snake. Nokia. <laughs> and everyone snake. would be like, snake, <laughs> snake. That is such an old joke. That's an oldie. That was that was old Petey bands touring around mostly that part of the country. Got it. So keep going. So um, he, he so, tried to fit in, right? And so a lot of these men also had sons who were my age or went to school with me, and they started to buy them guns when we were like ten or eleven. That's the to first go part that I'm confused to go hunting or like. Just so the kids would go and shoot deer. And they would go and shoot deer. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know you could do that. So if a park ranger came by and you had a 12 gauge shotgun, they'd be like, that's a good time. Yeah, I think they'd be like, let me get in on that. <laughs> and they'd be like, my son's in the back. <laughs> wow. Um, and so these all the so at one point, my dad was like, hey, do you want a gun? <laughs> he was his trying to fit in was bleeding into you. Right. He's he like, was like, do you want to be should outdoors? Should this be a father-son thing that we do? And I, you know, obviously trying to fit in as well, was like, yeah. Had you figured, how much had you figured out who you are? 
Um, a little bit, but also it just innately was not interested. Yeah. You know, this was maybe like fourth, fifth grade. This is why I, I wanted to be like, this is just a comedian story to me. It's not, it's like so relatable. He, yeah. My father would be like, do you want a gun? And I'd be like, I think. Right. But I'd be sure. so scared. That's why I love where the story's going. Keep going. And I got, so we went to like this place called Blythe's down the block and got a, got me a gun and it was a a full shotgun and it and we went out with buckshot i don't even know it had to be buckshot. it had a big kick deers. yeah yeah well we weren't shooting deer. deers. we were shooting um deers you're shooting deers <laughs> we were shooting clay ducks oh right you know those oh discs. so it's probably bird shot yes we all learned this from Chappelle's special right <laughs> <laughs> um uh so we went out to a place and it's one of the one of my dad's friends owns this like bit of land with a cabin on it that's literally called Swampy. Like wow. and everyone's like, "Hey, we're going out to Swampy. You want to go to Swampy?" And I'd never been to Swampy. And I went to Swampy and we drove in a pickup truck to a cleared area and it was maybe like three boys, three dads and we stood in a row and they each like shot a clay disc and then it was my turn had never shot the gun before and they pulled they said pull and i like went up and shot it and it the kickback of the gun hit my shoulder so hard that i started crying mm. um and then i tried to do it again and it really hurt again and then i spent the rest of the day sitting in the back of the pickup just being like good job guys and i was like the cheerleader oh my god and but to my to my dad's credit, he wasn't like you're an embarrassment. He was just like, yeah, what is this? <laughs> Good. Now I love the story. Yeah, that's not part of the stand-up routine. No, because I think dad... we're sort of assuming that your dad was like humiliated or something. no. Yeah, my dad's not like this like hyper macho guy. He's very sensitive and quiet. So I think this was like sort of like him think. I feel like he felt like this was something he was supposed to do as like an Indiana dad. Right. Um, and and, f- I, and I was so- fairly like sporty, you know, like I played basketball. I was a big sports fan. And um, that's where you got the term sinking buckets or whatever. Sinking buckets, getting buckets. Getting buckets. <laughs> I, was, buckets. I was quite sporty is what all the boys say. <laughs> I was a sporty spice. And so <laughs> nobody who's sporty has ever used the word sporty. <laughs> I think that that's hilarious. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, I'm sporty. Yeah, I'm a little bit sporty. Never happens. Yeah. I guess the subtext of that story, when I heard you tell it on stage, is you're like, is this when you started coming out? Mm. That, that's like the feeling. Yeah. Is that, what? when did that happen? I'm always interested. I, I came out pretty young. I came out in seventh grade. So I was maybe like 13 or 14. That's Isn't that wonderful? I mean, to, to get it going early? Yeah. I mean, I think now when I, you know... My boyfriend, my boyfriend now, he's like, I came out after college, and I'm like, Ugh, to not know. <laughs> uh, I guess I had done a little bit more self reflection than you. Not to make it about him, because I don't want to be unfair to him, but did, but he knew. I think he knew. Uh, I think there are like a whole host of either like internal or external forces that keep people from doing it, whether sure. it's like their family or even just like that, like self, uh, to be able to. Exam to know about yourself, and also right. like if you, I think that if you're a guy and you think you might be bi instead of gay, you are, I think you do what you can to lean m- lean straight. Yeah, yeah, it's just so much um, easier, and th- it requires a, a less steps of you to um, you know, t- 
to to do that to I, declare your identity yeah and it's hard to undo it you know yeah well i think it's becoming less so but uh but i came out when i was I did, in fact, undo it. I came out when I was in seventh grade, and um, I went to this really small Catholic school. Like, there were maybe, like, 14 kids in my class. Oh, wow. And um, and so it was really small, and I came out kind of at, a, like, a pool party very flippantly. And um, What and do the, you mean? Like, I was just I like, need every I detail. I was just like, well, you know me. I'm gay. And just sort of see, saw how To that, a group. Yeah, saw how it landed. Um, it landed well. Um, beloved by the girls immediately, and and the guys, the, the the these were people I'd gone to school with for like seven or eight years, so yeah. everyone knew me really well, and um, the this classmates themselves were like very accepting and cool. Wow! And then um, I don't mean to have like a closed minded feeling about Indiana, but I'm like impressed by this story. I think some I think something to, to do with it ha- was with that how close that group of kids were where you just knew each other and everyone knew each other's parents and and that's actually what happened is one of the kids told their parents who told my parents and so that's how you came out to your parents i was outed to my parents yeah oh my god which was my parents are really fantastic but at the time it was like my mom like sat me down in our sunroom and i can picture it and she and i almost felt like i knew it was coming and she was like because i'd been really just telling everybody around town <laughs> you know at a certain point i'd been Did you, like, do you think you i'd been like of... town criering it at every party and then i knew it was going to come back did to you them. want it kind of maybe subconsciously to happen that way maybe it's like a little bit easier yeah because i certainly to... couldn't sit there and do that with them um and so my mom i remember was just like so um you know this this person is saying that you're telling everyone that you're gay and i was like well i Yes, I'm doing that. And then she <laughs> was like, I think you should wait. And and I think now, into this is, you know, the early 2000s. And I think now maybe she would have been like, well, let's talk about how to make this a, a good situation for you. But I think right. at the time she was so afraid of, you know, what of how my life would turn out mm-hmm. or or what if I was wrong or or well, I had never made out with a girl or a guy I had never kissed anybody so um I think she, it was coming from a place of like fear and love but she was like you should stop telling people that and and tell people that you're not and so that's what I so I basically went to school the next day and had to be like JK <laughs> <laughs> Um, JK. I laugh, but that's and heavy. then in eighth grade I got a girlfriend. No, yeah, who was one of my best friends and continues to be. Um, really? Yeah. Name drop. Kelly. Kelly. Are you out there? My girlfriend Kelly. Omg. Um, she'll probably be like, we were never official. <laughs> um, but yeah, we and she was my girlfriend, and then um, I end up then I came out again in, in high school. In an attempt to understand, I've heard the stereotype that like all kids are sort of everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you think that was her thinking? Like you don't know yourself. It's it sounds like they yeah. weren't like just being like. Certainly, sounds like they weren't like that's wrong. Don't say that. They were just was she more like you don't know? There was some you don't know, and then some you know some cultural stuff of like. Uh, you know, my mom didn't have any gay friends. Mm-hmm. Now one of her best friends is this old gay guy who she was like obsessed with me to meet. She kept being like, I need you to meet Reed. Hey, when next time you come back, can we just do 
like with drinks Reed? with Reed, and I was just like, I know Reed is gay. I just she didn't say it. She just kept being like, he's an interior designer. He's now <laughs> Reed is now literally redoing my entire parents' house, which is talk about the gay grift. Become friends, get a business. Oh, opportunity. my Jesus. But I, yeah, I met gay. I met Reed and he was like, hey, how are like literally Cheshire cat? That's and I was, but now it's like she's got this, you know, gay BFF. But at the time she didn't. And um, I think she was unsure of like how my extended family would accept me. And so, well, that sort of speaks to the and small... she's expressed pretty some regret about it. And I, she's kind of a a little bit of a microcosm of like the of our larger culture, you know, you have to give people the room to grow is how I feel. Right. And they need to have experience. That was, I, I've said this a million, but my first mother-in-law was very anti-gay marriage. And even at the time when frankly, I was probably indoctrinated in the church and maybe no, I I was pro gay marriage, but like, I was like, uh, I know people like you, but she lived in like the sticks of Maine. I was like, you don't know any gay people. Yeah. So when you came out in your class and there's so few of you, but you have this like tight group and then one of you's gay, the communal aspect of that being easy is so clear to me. Just like what you're saying in the, in the bigger, if your if your mother had had a gay friend, it would have been different. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. But it is weird that so many people are making beliefs on things that they have, they've never met. A gay person, they've yeah. ne- never met a trans person, they've ne- all whatever it might be, and we're just going around being like, ah! yeah. My mom, t- my mom is, I, she's one of my favorite people. But when I was back home for Thanksgiving, she basically um, explained the AIDS quilt to me because oh <laughs> Reed talked her through basically his experience with the AIDS crisis because he was in the thick of it and in Chicago, and so basically she, my mom was like. You know, and then there's the AIDS quilt and, you know, it was just an epi- epidemic and, and nobody did anything. And I was like, Mom, I know about the AIDS crisis. <laughs> I, I, she was like, and have you seen this movie? And I was like, yes, I saw that movie 10 years. I've seen every single movie about AIDS. I've seen every play about AIDS. I've seen every bit of media that has anything to do with HIV. I have seen it. Like, <laughs> Wait, when did she try to explain it to you? This past November. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I thought this was when you were no, a kid. This was a month ago. Oh, a month ago. My mom was my... like, well, then you know the AIDS quilt. And I was like, I have seen it. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I sewed it, bitch. <laughs> That's ready for the stage. That's ready to go. Ready to go. That was a gift. <laughs> Yeah, I should do that. What did the JK feel like? Was that hard? The JK was really hard. Yeah. The JK was like a and but then so I immediately so then all of eighth grade was this weird th- thing of like this ghost chasing me of like, so didn't you say you were gay last year? And it was like no. Because they probably Cause they were knew like, it was your truth. Yeah, and they were like, What's you know? <laughs> I'm eating quick snack mom. Um, Tell me more about that. <laughs> right. So talk to me about coming out. I'm going to eat a snack. <laughs> um, you do that age quilt riff again. <laughs> but then after eighth grade, I went to this big uh, public high school where it was like 600 kids per class. And so um, I basically like drifted into more of like a, uh, a anonymity in a nice way. Yes. Wonderful. Love it. And Need was it. kind of able to be 
to to take some of the pressure off of that sense of like it being in a small fishbowl and then i was you know did drama and theater and stuff like that and then it was it was there was a whole moment where it's like he's out but he's not talking about it and then i came out and then i went to theater camp at northwestern actually um after my junior year and uh, got my first boyfriend so hey hey (laughs) also named kelly right (laughs) kelly with a y (laughs) i love them irish (laughs) (laughs) so i have food in my mouth i'll do it from over here When did performing come in? Because you're so funny. I oh, think thanks. you're so fucking funny. Thanks. The first time I saw you, I was just Val was with me. We talked about it for weeks. I, that was at the Vulture Fest one, and it was like that a was bad so show. No offense to the Vulture show, but it was like kind of like a weird. Well, it was vibe. you were doing like crashing interviews, and then we were doing it was it was like a a mashup. That's right. That's what made it weird. Yeah, and I remember the venue being a little bit. That basement in in the Roosevelt and the and the crowd was too comfortable. They were seated in very cushy chairs. Yeah, it was like a screening room almost. And then you went up, and people were doing fine. But then you went up and and you like did this thing that I just couldn't believe somebody as like as young as you are and whatever. I was just impressed. You did something that was very like I don't care. There was like a very like in the in the funny way. It's not funny yeah. to be nervous not funny to be like this is the vulture fest i'm afraid (laughs) and you went up and you just like i remember your physicality you were moving around and like just in this way that i was like this kid is not afraid and i got the feeling that a lot of people on the show were like there's industry here Mm. this is an la vulture show yeah and it locked some people up and then you went up and literally like were you know using the space and showing your fearlessness, and I was like really blown away. And that's when I wanted Thanks. to have you on the podcast, actually. Well, I think that I, um, I, I was in a really good spot in the lineup. I was like fourth, which was great. And then you had just done a whole riff about Louis, um, and I just came up right after and was like, "It's me, the new Louis." And then the audience, the audience, I, I, I did improv before stand up forever, and so it's like that's element of it it i tried, it showed yeah it just try to start whenever you can get an audience to believe that you are in the room yeah and spontaneous yeah. then they're like way more with you that you are funny you're not saying funny things you're a funny person yeah. i was just talking to katie the other katie in our lives our nanny who's so funny so funny she, you know katie fish yeah. yeah she's sam's sister sam's sister she's yeah. incredible and boy oh boy does it it does it just light me up because i love talking about stand-up i you go through 20 years of or more of experiences and then you're just dying. That's one of the reasons I have this podcast to like, and I'm not going to do it to you. Obviously I'm just saying I like talking about it with newer comedians and Katie loves advice. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't Pete splay and I don't go on long tangents, but if she's like, I have the show and I'm a little nervous, I'll just be like one of the hardest things to do in comedy. I just told her this over lunch. I was like, just be funny. Don't do funny material. Be funny. And I know you are, Katie, you are so funny. Just be it's it sounds so basic. Yeah. It's actually what Ramdas that's who that is. Ramdas is this teacher of mine. Yeah. He said that to me as well, which is really funny because he's not a comedian, but he was like, People hate when someone's doing confidence. Like, don't try to just be confident just like just like merge into your nature yeah and katie's so funny i was like don't basically i was giving her the advice to do what you did which is like just go up 
and be like, fuck it, I'm funny. And even if they're not with it, that's on them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's like the hardest thing to get about stand-up. So it's been really fun talking with Katie. And I think for me, like so much of that first mo- that f- the it's like a different way that you um, flirt or coax the audience into either liking you. I said it was like a date. Yeah, I said it's like a date. Like don't don't be nervous. Just be yourself, which right. is so stupid. They're either Everyone gonna like you that. or that's how I feel about you know dating. It's like you at this point. It's like you have to be yourself. You can't pretend to be somebody else because th- then you have to be yourself. That whole you have to keep that lie up. Right. So, um, so much of stand up is when I'm really feeling like I'm on firing on all cylinders. <laughs> it's like when I'm doing, when I'm just being myself and yeah. it's when I like get tense or, or, or whatever, or haven't done it in a second where you get all of a sudden you're like really bad at it. That's did, what the reps are about. I did a show last night and I hadn't been on stage in like maybe two weeks. And I was just like, oof, okay, here we are. Right. Bad again. You, it's like you haven't been on a date in a while. Yeah. And you're like, Can we, we have more bread and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're like, who am I? Right. That's what the reps are for. We, th- I think the newer comedians think it's to like practice saying your jokes. It's actually just practicing literally lowering your heart rate like a boxer. Like, can you be calm in a weird ass situation. Yeah. I went up last night. Again, I've been doing it 20 years and I'm standing backstage at the at the store and I noticed that my heart was jacked and I wasn't nervous. I I'm being real. Like I of course I would tell you if I was nervous. Yeah. I just noticed that my body was nervous and I was like that's the whole thing is keeping your mind calm while your body's like we can't do this. Yeah. Bail. Bail. And you go cancel. I'm in charge. <laughs> cancel. I'm in charge. That reminds me of Gabe Liebman. Send. I love send. the send. Send is the funniest. I love Gabe. It's the funniest thing <laughs> in the world. Every tweet is funnier with the word send. I Years wanted, of it. I wanted to write Harrison Ford versus Ferrari as a tweet. If it had Harrison Ford versus Ferrari, send. <laughs> a thousand times funnier. And I'm obsessed with Pen15. He fucking killed yeah. Pen15. Yeah, he's making this new animated show. I'm really excited about really? it. Really? Yeah, it's like... I gotta um, have him back on, because he's the king. Yeah. Um, what were we saying? Confidence, stand-up. You were saying that show, being funny. I thought I had something else. It doesn't matter. When did that come into your life, stand-up oh, specifically? Um, or, or was there something else? Stand-up, I've been... It's been about five years. You've been doing stand-up for five years? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. You're so funny. Oh, thanks. You're so funny. I, I In fact, I watched your Comedy Central clip, and there are all these moments where I was like, if this was an audience filled of Brendan Scannell fans, that would be a four, 40-minute clip. It's like a 20-minute clip. And I'm not saying they're not laughing. Yeah. I'm just saying I now know what it's like to perform for fans. Mm-hmm. And when they know your voice and they know your tone, because there are all these things you're saying, and I'm like, where were they for that? Again, it's a great clip. Please Send it around. Thanks. Consider it great. It's great. And I was forecasting into the future when they know you. That line that just seems like a character line is going to be a huge line. Younger, newer comedians yeah. just have to go like faster because the audiences don't they, yeah. don't they don't really care as much. But I was like, this is this is actually a 40 minute set because they should be laughing more. Yeah, there's kind of nothing like performing in front of people who uh, like know you and care about you. That's the best. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. I, and if you're like a special treat, I did, the, so I did two sets last night. Then I went to Largo 
And the feeling was like, oh, it's that guy. We kind of know that guy. Yeah. And I was doing the same fucking material and I was having to pause. And I'm thinking like, I just did this joke and it didn't work. Yeah. I have this joke about dry limes. I go, is there anything worse than a dry lime? I did it at the store and everyone's like, go on. <laughs> and I said, Premise I said delivered. Ago, and they were like, we know you. That is such a you thing to say. And I was like, big margarita wow. fan also at the at the Largo. They love or a sparky wawa with a with a squirt. <laughs> right. I also I mean people there are certain just crowds that I've just noticed don't understand that the comedy isn't just do, like we're not trying to just write uh, a set that would work. We're trying to do comedy that's I think this is everybody, not just me. That's sort of Part of the humor is of all the things you could choose, you chose this because that's who you are. And that's part of the delight of it. Yeah. And too many audiences are just going like, no, make me laugh, surprise me, titillate me, shock me. But the comedy that I like is when people are going, this is who I am. I sound like a parent, but that's how I feel when I'm watching a perform. I'm like, please just show me who you are. Yeah. Anybody can be like, yeah. Diarrhea, you know what I mean? Like that's fine. I have some jokes like that, but I, the things that delight me are when people go, "Is there anything worse than a dry lime?" Because I'm like, that matters enough to you to make the act. say it three times in a night. Yes, and it's yeah. There, that's what I like about stand up is like people's point of view, like how strong it can be, right. and whether that's like really dumb stuff or like really personal stories. There's what I love about stand up is that it's. Um, there is just no wrong way to do it. Right. You know, there's so many different ways. And I started doing it because I had been doing improv and I, I did improv in Chicago at IO and I moved here and did improv at IO and U- UCB. And um, I just wasn't, I wasn't writing and I wasn't making, I didn't feel like it. I was also incredibly depressed and I lived in Echo Park next to this place called Echoes Under Sunset. Mm. I live like down the block from it. It and sounds like a book, Depressed at Echoes Under re- Sunset. It's everyone like, there is- was. <laughs> but it was this venue that only did, basically only had open mics because they didn't really have any other, and some comedy shows. Um, and I just went there like, you know, six times a week and just, and sometimes really? we do two in a night and... Um, it was a great source of feeling like I was actually doing something because improv, even though it's wonderful, can feel like sand passing through your fingers Yeah, and you are getting good and all these skills and people can be like, Oh, that person was funny in that, but, um, I'll be on the lookout for them next time or right, something right. like that. And, and it felt like stand up this, like, I, I actually said to myself, I was, and, or somebody told me this comedian brianna who had started maybe like three months before me but at my time in my mind she had been doing it forever yeah i was like oh brianna the old veteran <laughs> and literally then like years later i was like haven't you been doing it forever and she's like no i started in march that year and i was like i started in june wow um but uh she was like just know you'll be good at this in like five or ten years yeah and so when i got jfl it was like exactly five years basically wow and that is I've I've said this a million too, but I was like, I had to get in my mind, and I think it's helpful for young comedians to go. I would people always told me ten years is when you'll get really good. Yeah, and you just put that. And I'm it'll definitely happen. still, you know, the journey's 
continues. But it'll it, it continues for me too. I'm, I'm not saying that falsely. It's like you still are figuring it out, which is it's like it's like you mentioned golf earlier. I don't play golf, but people say that's a game that you never perfect. That's what makes it endlessly interesting. Yeah. Last night, Comedy Store Largo, two very different experiences. So you see that stand up sort of forces you into the moment and you're always exploring and you're always curious how it's going to be. So it's always exciting. But and I love improv and I started in improv as well. When I started doing stand up, I was like there's no better feeling than feeling like you're sharpening a sword. As opposed to doing Tai Chi, <laughs> like Tai Chi, which mm. is like you have nothing in your hands and you're like, but get me six other fellas with beards and a couple of yeah. paps, blue ribbons. And we do again. This sounds like I'm making fun of improv. When I went sounds to like Chicago, it sounds like Chicago. And then when, it, when I started doing stand up in Chicago, I was like, my set list is in my pocket right now. It's like a security. I'm like Linus. I have a security blanket yeah. in my pocket going. These bits work. And that was the transition. It sounds like that was similar for you, going like, I like having a craft, something that I'm building yeah. and working on. It's like, you know, the process of it is is great. Really? Kind of like the- Brendan! How long has it been? Guess what? What? You just won the GG trophy. What did that mean? Great guest. Oh, wow. If I get the 90 minute when I think it's been 15 minutes, I mean, how long do you think we've been talking? I don't know. That spider moment. <laughs> I mean, that cuts into it when you threw the juice on the wall. <laughs> I know. It feels like it's clean. It's clean. It's clean. Uh, I wouldn't say 90 minutes. I've, I've, this has gone very fast for me. Um, keep going. Um, you were done. That's kind of it. It's the process is uh, the part that is like both terrifying, but also it's uh, a relief. You know, when you take the pressure off yourself to be great at something, um, my therapist said that to me once. She was I was starting to do press for something and I was I get a lot of anxiety about that stuff, you know, about saying something wrong or being on the record and be uh, or anything, just the exposure, the visibility is really t- tough for me. Um and she was like, "Are you comfortable being bad at this for a second? Are you comfortable not being an expert?" And um and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I should just f- focus on that, I guess." Yeah, the vulnerability. Yeah. It's like you were saying with podcasts, Dude, I woke up this morning, two sets, last night, stand-up, 20 years, and I was like, did they see my ugliness? Like, I really had that feeling. It wasn't spoken. It didn't even articulate itself as a thought. I just had a vulnerability hangover from doing stand-up. Because sometimes the ones that haunt me are where I do have, I don't know, something deeper comes out, and I'm afraid that I showed myself in a real way. Not in the way that even this podcast can feel controlled to me, but in the stand-up, sometimes something comes out. Maybe it's an interaction with the crowd or something, and you're like, they saw me. They yeah. saw my dad in me. I love my dad. I'm just saying they saw the family in me. They saw my past. They saw yeah. the real me. And Or for me, it's like they saw that I'm not actually funny, or they ah, saw like a need or that's something. That's still for me, too. Like, when you have two sets and one is soft and one's good, you're like, who was right? And you're just yeah. like, <laughs> you don't know. Until well, stores, you go. Stores its own beast. And it was good. It's just like, I've, I've said this a million I, in life, maybe not on the pod. I go, if people knew how I thought it should be going in my head, they would think I was a sociopath. Like yeah. how hard. I often say it. I go, if I was in the audience, I'd be losing my shit right now. Especially if I'm doing a joke and it's not working. It's a good way to like bring them back. Yeah. But like it's also true. 
I'm like, if someone did dry lime, I would be like, yeah, like I made the right choice. And it's because what I was saying was when you see a lot of comedy, then you can appreciate the choices that someone's making. When you go to a city where there isn't a lot of comedy, you can feel that they're, they can be a little bit more confused. They let off a confusion pheromone that they're like, what? Yeah. When I'm like, well, if you saw me go up, as you said, fourth, and there were three other people, talk, and I'm not putting down dating material, but they're talking about dating, and then I go up and I'm talking about pirates, this is all fake examples, you'd see the novelty of my choices. Yeah. But if you don't know comedy, you're just like, I don't understand. No, there's like an alchemy to it, and with the, the audience as well, and it's, you know, I, yeah. It's, Can it, you... Like, for example, in, at JFL, we did our big sets in the, you know, the big national m- auditorium you or whatever. Yes. And I hosted. Yeah. So the, I was in this room and I was like, I didn't say this to you guys, but I was like, fuck shit. When I did yeah. New Faces, it was in my sauna. It was like, <laughs> it was Jeff Singer and me right. in a sauna. You're like, they're, they're like, there's 800 people here and they walk you through so it the big. day before and... And I, 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 you know, I am from a theater background, so that sort of level of people is not – it's less intimidating to me. And also I think that my comedy scales to that. More, I do better in those settings than I do with like – Yeah, you're we're a big in venue a, guy. We're in a basement yeah. and there's 15 of us and it's you, a cool venue. You could do Radio City. That's a, a big compliment, but it's real. We're talking about Mulaney filling the space. I can see – Brandon Scannell feeling a space. And that is the theatricality of what you're doing. Thank you. When you were doing the Vulture Fest, I was like, get this guy to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it fills the space. That's and your theater. It's the small spaces that I get uh, more self-conscious in yeah. or more aware of like the cracks in my material or the or that I'm trying to overpower an audience instead of speaking to them. Right. You know, I'm on over the top of them. Right. And so then our second show was at this like punk rock venue where bands play that was Club Soda? <laughs> Maybe? I think there's one called Club yeah, Soda. Yeah. In in Montreal yeah. and um just like d- basically bombed, you know, and and we watch watched 10 people I had watched crush all also sort of bomb and oh wow it was almost like they had uh, set up like a punked moment where it was like remember how well that went yeah. well now That's this is very... what, this is what it's going to actually be yeah and um it's very montreal and yeah it was uh, just to have both tastes and, and so in 2 days it's like you have the one where you're like Let's go out. And yeah. then after then after the second Let's one, you're like, I'm, I'm flying tomorrow. And <laughs> I should probably. You make the call on stage. <laughs> Hi, can you move that flight? Right. I'll take a two-hour difference. Yeah. That's fine. Just get me out sooner. Can you remember, because you're fresh, fresh-ish in it, has someone given you great advice about stand-up or comedy? Um, I'm trying to think of something, the first thing that comes to my mind. Um. There's a show, uh, Good Heroine in yeah. Echo Park. Dave Dave Ross, Ross. and um, Matt Ingebrigtsen show, and bleep um, that out. And that was the first um, show. What did you say? Sorry. I said bleep it out. Bleep Whenever it out. like if you plug something, I'm just like bleep it. Um, that was the I I kind of like I did that show pretty early in my I did it within a year of starting to do mics, and so. But I had done that because Dave had seen me at this other show, and he thought I was in town from somewhere. And then at 
good heroin i was like no i live here and he was like what like who are you um <laughs> but then um after the sh- i did that show and felt so good about it and and then like he i don't know what i'm trying to say here what george went told me once is this <laughs> real transitioning george ah! went told me once ah! that um it's all about the hang is what he told me oh wow and so is that, that real Yes. Because he's right. He he says it's all about the hang. Don't forget the hang. And so that moment of hanging out with Dave Ross um, at Good Heroin and then afterwards, you know, it was like a bunch of comics. We all went to get drinks and they were all like way – they, in my mind, felt way above me and farther along than me and really like brought me into like, you know, just two drinks. And I yeah. just felt really touched and like felt like a part of something in that. Yeah. Like there was a sense of it was just like – and hey, Brendan, are you coming? And I was like – yeah, I I can come. Oh, gee, mister. And yeah. the George Went thing is like my uncle. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, you want to be you want to be in Hollywood. My uncle's best friend is brother brother is George Went, and so I'm gonna set up a call with you and George. Wow. And George Went called me on my phone when I was still living in Chicago, and I was about to move. I'm going to cry. You, this is 90 minutes into a podcast uh, where I always cry. Um, I George went and called me, and he was just like, uh, so, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do comedy. And he was just like, just remember, like, the most important part is the hang. Wow. And it was like, that's where all the – both the connections happen, but also, like, the friendships and also you – the way you like learn from comics and then those comics help your set get better Dude. is by like having friends who are comics. And it'll keep you from being depressed. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's depressed some people that the hang has been not what they wanted. I'm sure. Yeah. But like for me, I was, uh, that's what Ashling B was saying. She was like, when I'm low and I'm hanging with comics in a green room and I'm like, fucking A, that's totally right. And as someone who's cast something now, the number of times where you're like, I saw that guy. It's like fucking nuts. Yeah. Like just somebody was nice and funny and you're hanging out. Everybody's just a person and yeah. you stay in their consciousness a little bit. That's why it's it can be tricky to not be in a city where all of us are. You know, like I'd yeah. like to think I could Skype in this job, but you sort of have to be like, want to get noodles? You have to be there at <laughs> yeah. noodles. Well, when I first moved to LA, like Twitter is where the hang was and it's where I yeah. met all of like my like great group of gay friends who are all kind of like gay Twitter people. Mm. Um, that's how I met them. Like yeah. I made like a YouTube video and somebody re who had been following me cause I followed them retweeted it. And then the next day somebody was like, Hey, we're going to Akbar if you want to come. Yeah. And now it's like, I had like a gift exchange with them last night. And it's been like six years. OMG. I, know. I, I love, love your friends. open heart. It's beautiful. I, yeah, no it's, I really struggle with it. We're like with I'll, your open heart. Like, sometimes I'll, like, be doing interviews about how, like, fun it was to make a, t- a show or something, and I'll just be like, I just care about these people. And oh, I'm, then that's I where my mom it. comes in, and I'm just, my mom, because my mom is an open heart, and my mom cries at everything. My mom cries at the Olympics, because the guy, people try so hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like, once cried at American Idol because Clay was killing it, and I was like, <laughs> "You get it? You get? Was you it when he did it. Solitaire? It might have been, but he was such a weird guy, and and you watched him. Yeah. I'm getting emotional, but you watched him like kind of grow into yeah. who he was supposed to be. Not a and pretty was, man. Not a pretty man. And he started singing, and he was killing it, and I was like, "Yes, yeah, get it." I we he was I loved us American in the Idol. pickup truck, yeah, going good shooting boys, and then they were like. 
There's also a stage over there, Clay, if you'd like to do something for us. Clay. If the kickback on the shotgun's too much, maybe you'd like to sing Solitaire. I think he ran for congressman or something like that. Did he? Yeah. I don't like I don't like every part of show business. No. I'm so happy for Jennifer Hudson though. She's killing. She is in Cats and she gets memory. That's which is the good song. OMG. She gets it. Did and you she, cry? Yeah. It was like all of a sudden I popped into it and I'm like, I used to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Now, have you had anything in your life that you can't explain? You said a, you've never seen a psychic, which is fine, of, but ghost, alien, uh, weird serendipity. Mm. You go home, you open the closet, and there's the sock. Something like that. Right. Oh, I wish I had some. I should have thought of something. No, you didn't have to think of anything. You would know if you knew. Yeah. I, I, I only this- ask because people are like, yeah, I saw a ghost two weeks ago and you're like i'm glad i asked this didn't happen to me but i was in the room with her my we went to wales as a as we went to london and then wales and then dublin when i was in like eighth grade in this big trip with my school and so my parents came they were like i'm one of five so we're a really big family but i think three of us went and then my parents came and uh, we went to Wales, and we stayed in like a ha- in a haunted <laughs> hotel, you know, right next to a big graveyard. And my sister woke up in the middle of the night, says she saw a ghost, and she was in the bed next to me, and she wet the bed. OMG. Yeah. She's a big... Or that was Slimer going through the bed and leaving the slime. <laughs> right. She could have been like, it was the ghost. Yeah. I, I'm not <laughs> really... peed all over me. <laughs> I'm not really like a supernatural person. And and I had this conversation with my mom over Thanksgiving where like I don't really think about God. I don't consider myself an atheist because I, I find atheists to be kind of exhausting. You know, it's like how do you, you – you, you're basically doing the same thing but on the other side, you know? Right. Well, certainty – there's a lot of certain atheists. I always like to represent Penn Jillette who's a great atheist in my opinion. Mm. And he's like the whole thing is we don't know. Yeah. So Penn Jillette, who is gorgeous – You'll Stun. say... Stun. What's that? Stun. <laughs> I want to learn You're thinking of Penn and, Ch- Penn and Teller, right? Yeah. Gorgeous. I, just I did not expect gorgeous to... heart. Right. And he's a good-looking man, gorgeous. but I'm, what I'm saying is he's, his heart is gorgeous because he'll you'll go like, uh, there could be a man on, on a cloud in the sky, and he's like, I believe in infinite possibilities. That's what he says, but he's like, I don't think anyone knows. Yeah. So he has the same problem with uh, run-of-the-mill atheists as you do. Which is certainty. Yeah. Anybody claiming that they know what's going on is offensive to Pendulette and frankly to me. Yeah. I just don't. Um, I get really scared of stuff. I I scare really easily. So you know, I'm like locking doors. <laughs> Let's give and them stuff a scare. Jumping. Yeah, I'm like jumping onto my bed so that nothing grabs my ankles. But then I don't actually believe in any of it. It's like interesting. Is that part of why you're maybe not that interested in religion because there's so much scary shit in there? I mean, Catholicism is like pageantry. Rectus! <laughs> Rec- dominus! Rectum Dominus! <laughs> Rati, Why don't you want to join us, Brandon? Rectus! <laughs> do, 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 dominus! I mean, Catholicism is pageantry. It is like it is. this showmanship of it all. It's like uh just every priest is just like a a narcissistic comedian without any jokes hilarious you know? that's like, do you say that on stage that's I don't. hilarious no it's just like and nobody keeping you in check because there's no laughter so you can really just do a lecture yeah. and not know how it did 
Yes. Because in your heart, like, you're like, that was amazing. You were amazing. And everyone was like, you're the Ooh. shepherd. Well, Catholicism, unlike the some, so there's a, there's like a pyramid of, of a lot of Christianity where it's like you have the shepherd and then the flock, and the flock has no checks on the shepherd. And yeah. so, um, there's this sort of like speaks directly to God's like, or speaks to the Pope who speaks yeah. directly to yeah. God that it makes it uh, really undemocratic. Yeah. And so my church had a board of elders where if the pastor said something that they didn't agree with, that's great. You would have to answer to it. It is great until the board of elders wants you to be homophobic, which is right. what happens. Yeah. I get the feeling that the pastor at the church I grew up in, like, I actually have this secret feeling about a lot of uh, people that are, I don't know why, maybe it's just a fun fantasy for me, that they're more woke than they appear. That's just the fun thing that I like to believe. That I'm like, if anybody is doing that much time praying and being quiet, as I hope they are, they know that God's love is the most, or whatever you want to call it, is so liberal. But then they sometimes have a board of elders going like, yeah, but a man and a man has sex and there's no baby, so... Yeah. And and then he has to be like, all right. So I, I what I'm saying is I give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. sometimes, and yet it still sucks because people yeah. feel unwelcome in a church. Well, I think a big component of what every I have priest, I think, should feel is probably doubt, just like constant doubt of... Because I imagine in that position, obviously so many of them are uh, trash bag um, abusers, but to speak, to, say you're ahead of any sort of congregation, um, I imagine that comes with an immense amount of like pressure. And if you are like a good person with like a soft heart, you are giving people advice on their marriages, on their yeah. careers, on on your hearing sins they did, yeah. and um, trying to con- uh, console them. And so that's the most empathetic view of a priest I could have because the other <laughs> side is like that they're, Trash bag. you know, a raging narcissist who uh, are, you know, operating a cover up. But you said totally. And you said doubt. I, I've i gotten into later in life Thomas Merton, who was, uh, oh, I forget his, his sect. Oh, it's Trappist. Doesn't matter. He said, "Sounds like ma- it sounds like music." Yeah, he's a Trappist. <laughs> it's like Skrillex, but it's more <laughs> chanting. He uh, he said, "Faith without doubt is absolutely worthless." He's like, "It's not the opposite of of faith. It's like the most essential activating component is to go like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about." Yeah. And then you sort of swing back into a moment of thoughtless, and I mean without thinking, equanimity, where you're just sort of like, "I think this is all okay." And then you go back going like, I'm a piece of shit yeah. on a toilet paper on a garbage barge. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, people are searching for meaning. So sometimes when like comedians are doing bits that are like, there's different types of, you know, how how could God exist type bits? Yeah. I buy into them less than like, how crazy are the systems that we operate that belief within? Oh, yeah. The you systems know, are more like, rife. Yes. And they're so silly and like, there's so many hats. Because God being an attempt to understand something that's ultimately pretty ununderstandable yeah. is, is fine. It's just like a car you get in to drive around and go like, I think I'm getting a better yeah. look at this. But when you look at the church itself... Or like, I don't really yeah. believe in astrology, but I'm so sick of stand-up bits that are like, my girlfriend's into astrology. That's like, I'm like, I yeah. need a different take on this. Yeah, I need too. like, 
my girlfriend's into astrology, so I decided to get really into it to see how it made me feel. Yeah. And I discovered either that it's bullshit, because here's why, or that I discovered- I secretly loved it. That I am an Aries because- Yeah. Um, and I'm more interested in that than I'm interested in like- Well, what I- it's just a simple. I'm not interested in always the simplest take. I'm so happy that you're out there doing stand up because that exi- that's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want. I'm so tired of just the most obvious thing being the thing. And it, it, it's so much more interesting as art to go like, that's what that made me feel or whatever. Yeah. And it's I more vulnerable. It's, I think also, like, it depends where you're coming up, right? If you're coming up I, in the east side of Los Angeles, like, audiences are jaded and and intelligent in certain ways uh you know a lot of dummies around but they're they're not they've seen the first take so they are yeah, looking right. for the second take that's right but then you know you can get into a really deep rut where you're like i'm doing the sixth take and then you go to indiana and they're like hey we would have loved the second take yeah because you've done too many Brendan. steps and we can't see where you did those you're gonna be just fine <laughs> Not that that's the point of the show, but like it makes me happy that you're out there. I'm so glad. What a great We're thing. out there. What a great thing. No, it, there's a lot of – I'm, I'm touched that there's a lot of people like you. There's a lot of people that aren't like you, though. When I go to a club and I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, what is going on here? We need the second take. Do the second take. That's great stand-up advice. Yeah. Do the second take. Um, so no formal feelings about God. What about the afterlife? Anything? Um, well, I think we're all reborn as a new cat. <laughs> <laughs> Jellicle cat. <laughs> Jellicle, Angelical Houston You cats. just want to be Jennifer Hudson. That's, that's I heaven. Do. Yeah, she does get back. sent away in a hot air balloon. Spoiler. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think about it that much. But I also have been spared... Um, like uh, I'm both my parents are still alive, and and so that sort of like existential question of like hasn't been brought to what your door. Happens? Yeah, like a cat bringing a dead mouse. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I'm I've kind of like have been very lucky. Yeah, I, I know feel like mean. people go to towards that question when it, they're faced with it. Yeah, that's true. Today I'm like, what a what a dumb topic because we're here and this is happening. That's what I like. One of my favorite things, quotes about God, it's it's not Thomas Merton, but it's the quote that got Thomas Merton back into the church, is that God is not a being. God is being itself. So this is God. This, 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 God is a word for whatever the fuck is happening mm-hmm. here. And then when you start getting into the narcissism of what's going to happen to me when I die, that really is a narcissistic trip. Instead of what I like about astrology is that it considers the universe as one thing. Meaning, when the stars were aligned in this position, the Earth was doing this one thing. And whether or not that's true, it can sort of hint you towards the idea that it's not you walking through a space. It's you as as an apple on a tree. You are the product of a whole. And that's what I like about astrology. Is you're saying, the Earth and the universe at this time was doing this sort of thing for that moment. And there's a lawfulness to it. And that's what Taoism is. That's what a lot of things are. Yeah. Hinduism is just saying, like, wake up. It's not about you. It's one thing thinging itself. Relax. It's all in the game. That's what I had with the the la- basically the only real time I've done a lot of mushrooms was I was 
I just basically sat there and felt connected to the like eons of generations in my past where I'm like, you know, my mom, my mom's mom, like my Fuck grandfather, it. like wow. Ireland, like all the way back when just feeling like generations and generations that like you are not like your life has meaning because you exist because you so so you so easily couldn't have right and being itself is the miracle we're waiting for something else to happen but the fact that we're talking and hearing and looking and feeling is fucking insane and when you think about it like that it's almost like a hermit crab dropping shells your grandfather was a shell but the hermit crab the being moves on to the next generation it's like it's a strand yeah. this sounds like mushrooms but it's like it's like a, a roll of toilet paper that you roll around the floor and every square is another person, but it's all yeah. one roll of toilet paper. It took thousands and thousands, millions of years to yeah. get to what, you know, you made it weird. That's right. And the real trip is, <laughs> it's not just your roll of toilet paper. The whole thing is one big paper towel roll. And I think a narcissist can see that and be like, so how do I make as many tendrils going forward? And that's how you have like, you know, doctors who are fertility doctors in putting their own semen in women. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, narcissism. It's like all of a sudden it's like this doctor has two, who was a fertility doctor, has 200 children. Wow. Quiverful, indeed. Dark. I've been Brendan Scannell. (laughs) This is quiverful. (laughs) This is quiverful. What was the thing Hard that you to said? Say. When, I, when I said Pendulette is gorgeous, you said... Stun. Stun. I want new ones, and now I have stun. Stun. Stun! <laughs> uh, you can have it. I want it. Did you? Is that a thing? That's just the thing. Stun. Stun. God. Like when someone's like, and there's no cheese in it. Stun. I need this. <laughs> Sometimes I come here to pick up little philosophical quips or whatever, and today I got a much better gift. Yeah. It is Christmas. Indeed. Um, Brandon, where can people, what are you doing? I know you just did these shorts that I watched, which are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I did some Comedy Central sketches with really my funny. great friends. Watch Sam. the Skip ad one. It's Please. really funny. Um, I, so I'm doing, doing that. Um, if you type in Brendan Scannell into YouTube, it's like the first thing. Yes, it's right there. And um, I, I do this Netflix show called Bonding. So check Love that it. out. Too. Love it. Need it. And your name on all the social. Uh, Bscan on Instagram and Brendan Scannell on Twitter. Need it. Uh, and at the end, we have the guest say the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. Stun. Stun. <laughs> I loved it. Thanks, man. Thanks. That was so I'm so crispy, I'm so crispy, my ice cream make you haters wanna get me, keep